episode of Rank and Review. This week, your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons and his guest Mitch Oliver are going to be looking at three horror movie remakes. Mitch Oliver hosts his own horror movie podcast out of Saskatoon called The Terror Table, and I encourage you to check it out. As usual, you will be finding spoilers for the six films being discussed, as well as frequent course language. Please send feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Please spread the word on Rank and Review. And without further ado, welcome to 118. Review, Mr. Mitch Oliver, uh, host of the Terror Table. The Terror Table. I would have said it right for the yeah. <laughs> um, This is interesting because this is the this is the first conversation like we've ever had officially. Yeah. We, we've we've like had several text exchanges, yeah. but, but here we sit to record this remake podcast and to uh, you know spread the word on your podcast. Yeah. So, Thank you for being here. Oh, um, what what what's what inspired you to start doing this whole crazy podcast thing? Honestly, it's uh, I've always been a huge horror fan, and I've always just been a movie fan in general. I grew up in the VHS time, as you and I both did, obviously, oh, yes. and I grew up in working in video stores, and I eventually, none of my close friends really had the similar passion that I had for this kind of stuff, so I, I felt like it was just something I needed to do. I needed to have some, and I had like two friends who I barely talked to, but I knew that they were horror fans, so I asked them to come aboard and start this thing up, and... We're 73 episodes in now, and it's one of the best things that I've ever done, personally, because uh, it's my outlet now. I, uh, you know, since I'm 28, and since I, like, I play music and everything, but I, it's my outlet for creativity nowadays, and it's a way to get away from my work and my home life and yeah. stuff like that. So it's just a fun vacation every week. That's interesting. Like, it was obviously a different place. You're in your late 20s. I'm in my early 40s. Yeah. But uh, I started this point almost five years ago now. Yeah, that's and, crazy. Uh, uh, I sort of the same thing. I I was sort of desperate for a creative outlet. My yeah. theater had closed, and uh, my boys were younger, and I was just, like, busy and not yeah. doing anything for me. So yeah. 
I wanted to do something, and uh, what did I love? What was I passionate about, you know, other than theater? Well, yeah. uh, I love horror movies and yeah. movies in general. And, yeah, I guess I think we, we at least started from a similar place. You just got around to it sooner. Although, to yeah. be fair, I think when I was 28, there was no such thing as a podcast. No, and honestly, I just I discovered the podcast format like three or four years ago. Right. And it just took over in my life. Like, I found out, like, it's just, it's a place where, like, doing a podcast, you can connect with anybody who is into anything that you're into. Yeah. There's podcasts for everything. Like, I know a guy who does a podcast, on, or I just found out about a podcast that does only an Adam Sandler movies. Right. Like, yeah, it's Enter Sandman is what it's called. And, right. like, it's <laughs> fucking hilarious. But um, I just, I love the format, and I love how I, like, through doing this podcast, um, I've met people from all over the world. Like, we have friends, we have a, a brother podcast, they're called Erie International. We discovered them through the internet, and uh, it's three hosts. One of them is from Germany, one's from the UK, and one's from the United States. And it's a horror podcast. I talk to at least two out of three of those guys every single day, close to. Nice. And like, so I've you, I've made mutual friends through this. We have a friend um, who listens every week who lives in Boston, and we're actually planning on doing a a trip out to Universal Studios for Halloween this year. Nice. It's always been my dream vacation. That's like the one thing I want to go to. So me and Diego, one of my co-hosts, and my girlfriend and my other friend, we're going to be meeting up with some of our listeners there. Like, they're guys from the States, uh, one's from Boston, one's from Kentucky. Yeah. One, it's, it's amazing. Like, uh, it's the best thing that's happened to me, and I love this format. Yeah. yeah. And like you say, there's a podcast for any specific thing. Yes. Yeah. That was my big hesitation going in. It was just like, well, there's literally hundreds of, horror, of movie podcasts, and uh, the horror genre is well explored. And I feel like I'm, I'm saying, I'm going to enter a crowded marketplace Yeah, oh, that's, me too. Yeah. But somehow, I mean, I, I know that I've reached people. And I use it as an excuse to keep up with people that exactly. I would like to. Exactly, that's know? what I do <laughs> I've got my buddy uh, Brendan. Shouts out to Brendan, who I do the odd podcast all the way from Florida. Yeah, right. Oh, and uh, Chris, all the way from uh, Australia. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> and, awesome. Uh, you know, we don't talk often, but when we do, we make a podcast. Yeah. Out of it, so it's awesome. But it's the best because you have like you know we have two hours. Let's just talk about horror movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like yeah, I just gotta say like you had reached out because you're a mutual or someone had listened to our show and yeah. turning on to him. I had no clue that we had anyone else in Saskatoon who's into this stuff right. <laughs> like I just I don't have any I have a pretty large friends group just from playing in bands and stuff like that and I had only two people I could talk to about horror movies so when I found out that we had another <laughs> local <laughs> horror <laughs> podcast like it's it's crazy and I immediately started listening to your show I've been listening to it at work and man I've honestly crushed like 12 episodes <laughs> and I'm I'm not meaning to really blow up blow your tires here but like you got a great show and it's the it's the content and your friends i specifically wrote down i want to give lee beckman a shout out nice he'll he, appreciate it yeah he's great man <laughs> and your guys's batch you can tell that you guys have been friends a long time and oh, we go back yeah and that's <laughs> i i think it's it's admirable that you tackle six movies a week <laughs> and you guys manage to cover them in such in depth so needless to say i've been excited to come on and talk well, uh, and thank you so much for being there, and thank you for kissing my ass. That yeah, it's, nice it's what I do, it's what I do. <laughs> um, like I said, I haven't listened to it yet, uh, A, because I've just been super busy, and B, because I thought it would be interesting to do this podcast yeah. completely cold. I'm, I'm happy you did. <laughs> I'm happy you didn't listen to it. We are a very juvenile podcast, I'm sure, but from listening to your show, I've realized, I'm like, I think Lee's going to like our, or Larry's going to like our show, because oh, good, good. We're, we're very juvenile, <laughs> we have fun. 
So, moving to the subject of remakes, which yeah. is the theme of the episode that we're discussing, um, how do you feel about them? People, especially like horror nerds like you and I, yeah. tend to usually take a strong stance on one side or the other. Are, yeah. are you are you on one way or the other? Are you on the fence? Where do you? I'm on the fence, uh, but I've been coming around to it more. And that's something like from my you know my young punk days. Of course, I was wanted to hate on everything that was new or widely accessible. Like I was just hating things for the sake of hating things. Um, Sometimes it's fun to hate things. Yeah, it is. But <laughs> but in doing that, we missed out on a lot of great stuff. Because there is specifically what I like about the six that you've chosen is you've chosen one of them I came around to in the rewatches, but three that I don't like, three that I do like. Okay. So that, I think that's great. Right yeah, yeah, I think. But the thing is, I revisited all of them in doing this, and my opinions have changed on some of them. But uh, I think that some of these movies provide an example of how to properly execute a remake and some of them are the these should be the calling cards for don't fucking do this yeah this is the wrong way to remake a movie and there's this fine line between a remake and a reimagining exactly somehow like i think a remake you're basically telling almost beat for beat the same story yeah the reimagining takes like the same locale and the same characters and sort of remixes them or modernizes them. Yeah. So it's not full of the trappings of the 70s anymore. Now yeah. it's the early aughts or whenever the movie's yeah. made. I get it. For me, it's like, I've said it on the podcast before, I don't understand necessarily remaking classic movies. Like, I get that there you can make money doing that. Yeah. But if there's, if there's not much to improve on there, exactly. I, I don't understand. For me, I say, like, take a movie that had a really good idea, yeah. but a not super great execution. You, That's the movie you want to remake, exactly. right? The yeah. movies that were almost there, but not quite. Yeah. And the problem, the problem is, too, as, as horror fans, is we grew up with this stuff, so we hold certain movies to a higher esteem than most people would. Yeah. And in saying that, like, there's probably a couple 80s movies that you and I both love that are very imperfect. Yeah, absolutely. That, like, if someone were to see it for the first time today, they would not share the love, or they wouldn't understand the love that we have for yeah. it. So it's like, who cares if you want to remake this? But the the thing is, I just feel like there's a way of treating that kind of thing with respect. And, like I said, it, like you've chosen movies that, expo- that show respect and some that I feel piss all over it. Yeah. So it's going to be a good conversation. There's a difference between definitely a cash cow and somebody yeah. who, who really wants to make a, exactly. a strong movie or, or, or doesn't want to hurt the brand. Yeah. That's when I really get hurt by a remake or even a sequel. When yeah. I get the feeling like the people involved were so cynical that they genuinely didn't they just care. didn't give a fuck. Yeah. 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 That that angers me. Yeah. Well, okay, I guess we've got a lot to talk about, so we should jump into these movies. Sounds good. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs>
Okay, so A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, this remake comes out of the Platinum Dunes studio yes. the, from producer Michael Bay, as does another one of the movies we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, obviously, Nightmare on Elm Street is a high temple title. You got your Freddy Krueger, you got the Dream Stalker. I mean, I get that there's dollar signs in their eyes, but it is also a classic horror yeah. movie. It's I think it a, came from a pure state, though. Yeah. Like, where it started, and that's where they're remaking, you know, like... Yeah. It did go a little off the rails, but that original movie, no one can touch it. It's a great movie, uh, but even when I reviewed it, and I ranked it high when we did our yeah, I listened to classics, uh, I find like the ending problematic. Like yeah. Again, like that thing I talked about in the intro, take a movie that had some flaws and maybe, maybe fix it. Yeah. And I kind of feel, and I'm just speaking on behalf of me here, that in this case, they sort of did the opposite of that. <laughs> um, it, like, it looks like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and at times it feels like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, but it's just not. It's because he's trying to just remake the movie. Yeah. Like, you can tell that Samuel Bayer did not care. Yeah. He And in fact, it's actually been on record that he didn't want to do this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was originally, like, he's just done music videos at this point, and that was the Platinum Dunes um way of doing things is they had Michael Bay uh, who was there who their idea was to remake these movies find talented filmmakers that haven't done, don't have that much experience so they could hire them for cheap and then if they needed some help Michael Bay could come in and give them a hand like it, and, which is like I'm all on board for that because like it gives some people an opportunity but when the guy blatantly doesn't want to do it then you've, you've hired the wrong exactly, guy exactly yeah. clearly but, you've hired the wrong and guy. it was discouraging for as like for me Freddy's my number one slasher oh really I, I love Freddy Krueger nice. I love him my, I have a shrine in my house of, <laughs> of Freddy and um it was really disheartening when I saw it was like hey who's making who's doing the Nightmare on Elm Street you make him like the guy who's done the last Maroon 5 videos. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. he's done Maroon 5 videos, Green Day. But to be fair, he also directed Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit mm-hmm. and, like, Cranberry Zombie. So he's got some amazing music videos under his belt. But what's he going to do with my one of my favorite movies of all time? Not a bunch. No. He Not just, a bunch. Yeah. And uh, usually with these Platinum Dune ones, I find, like, they buy the they buy the brand, right? They buy Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they buy yeah. Nightmare on and that's their star. They don't really feel the need to fill it with stars. But I do think that they have a pretty impressive cast here. Yeah. Well, this I, is the beginning of Rooney Mara, too, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. I believe it's the first time I remember seeing her, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Clancy Brown. He yeah. plays the Kyle Gallner's father character yeah. in this movie. And, um, like, there's a lot of decent actors in it Jackie Earl Haley he's great he's a completely solid I will defend his performance in yeah, The Watchmen it wasn't his fault forever, right? oh Watchmen I will defend Is... him in The Watchmen forever like, I'll defend The Watchmen yeah exactly I, like, I, that's my favorite book of all time so it's weird that I like that movie but, but I've come around to it yeah um, but yeah Jackie Earl Haley you see that on paper him yeah. as Freddy Krueger like, yeah that could work but again, I thought it was kind of an obvious choice too have you seen Little Children yeah. Because he can't, he was right off of that, and it's just like, well, they obviously... sort of done the creepy child creep thing. Well, and that's like, in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, they didn't, they ended up not tackling the, it was like, almost sort of insinuated that he was a pedophile, Yeah, but they fully delved into that in this one. Yeah, they tried to do a bait and switch, which yeah. I guess was maybe the closest to clever that they yeah. went. Yeah. Like, at first you're saying, are they going to make Freddy Krueger a sympathetic movie? I know, no, yeah. I don't believe that for a second. He looks like a... The movie wants me to. Yeah. <laughs> but his makeup, we can agree, was awful well Did it you was like- genuine in that it's probably closer to what an actual burn makeup would yeah. look like but 
it wasn't really that scary. In a no. way, it was almost formless. It was comedic. Uh, and it looked like a burnt rat. <laughs> here's a weird coincidence. There's the burning sitting over on the chair right oh, there. Oh, yeah, there's, there is. Yeah, Crowley character from that yeah. is another burn victim. Yeah. And I would say that movie's, what, maybe 30 years almost yep. older than this? Yeah. And it's as good or better. Completely. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah, completely. <laughs> so, that's That's one of my biggest gripes with this movie, too, is that uh, this is one that didn't even attempt to be original. They took a lot of the same gags, and they wanted to remake it, but it was almost like shot for shot, both CGI, and it just looked bad. It was like, it's kind of like how, like in my opinion, the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park look better than they do in Jurassic World. Right. Like, it's, I, I feel like it's, that was a big misstep, was the way that they went about the special effects. Yeah, I mean, I understand we're living in the digital age, yeah. and I, I've said this in the podcast, and I keep repeating myself, that I think, for me, there's a middle ground. Yeah, I think, totally. like, you use as much as you can in camera, but for the hard edges, for the stuff that ain't working, you kind of go in there and fill yeah, it exactly. up, right? But don't just depend on it. I hate the fix-it-and-post attitude. It's right? awful, yeah. <laughs> And give the actors something to react to. Yeah. That's usually really totally. problematic. Uh, what's her name? Connie Nielsen? Yeah, uh, she yeah. has this big quote shocking death at the end. Yeah, and I'm sure when they shot it, she saw nothing or did nothing. They basically told her to make a big O face and yeah. then fly back. Oh, exactly. Right? Yeah, and it's ridiculous when you're it's, doing that. You know, yeah. you have to be a really good actor to sell it. No, it's uh, that was a stupid idea. <laughs> I think uh, that's one of my f- flaws with that movie, but I forgive it because it's a Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> I also just felt. A basic level of disrespect, frankly, for the original franchise. Like, they kind of... I I watched the special features on the disc, and they were like, well, no one's really delved into the background of Freddy Krueger. I'm like, fuck you. Yes, they have. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Bastard son of a thousand maniacs. Yeah, exactly. I've I've actually done my homework Yeah, exactly, yeah. So... Like, nobody knew the origin of Freddy Krueger? Are you you serious? I know, (laughs) yeah. And, uh, okay, he stalks people in the dreams, so here's the benefit. Here's how you make it more than just your average slasher movie. Yeah. Use the dream world. Exactly. Use the dream world. (laughs) You know what you can do in a dream world? Anything. Anything you fucking want. Absolutely anything. There is nothing off the table. Exactly. What did they use the dream world for? A A steamy basement. Yeah, like in every other Freddy Krueger movie. And that's always bothered me. Because my, my day job, I'm a plumber. Right. So it's actually always funny for me to watch these Nightmare on Elm Street movies because I'm always critiquing the boiler rooms. I'm like, Where, what are all these pipes for? Exactly. I'm just like, this is the most unsafe boiler room I have ever seen. This wouldn't even pass in a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, so it's, like, it's just some disrespectful. Like in the original series too, they'll even, it's an easy give, but I mean, yeah. take it. The person has a flaw or a t- personal terror that, that they don't want. So Freddy will manifest themselves as that weakness or that terror yeah. to exploit them and stalk them and kill them. Exactly. Was there any of that in this movie? No. No. There is nothing. No. So if you're going to remake Nightmare on Elm Street, my advice is remake Nightmare on Elm <laughs> Exactly. Elm yeah. There's so many things that you could do. And th- this movie, they basically remake, they take the core ideas from the groundbreaking groundbreaking at the time original and they just reshot them with without the heart and without the proper crew behind them because even if you like for example the the scene where freddy's coming out of the wall right you know yeah like that it worse it still holds up till this day i love that scene and tina's death in the original nightmare on street unreal like that was Maybe the first time I was genuinely terrified in my life, like from a film. Like I was just like, and that that kill 
holds up. Right. And in this, it's just very CW. Like it feels like the teen, which I get, that's the thing too, is that, um, you gave me a bunch of options to choose from mm-hmm. for when I come on. And the reason I chose remakes is because I feel like I was, I, I, I grew up as the target audience for these movies. Right. So I'm the guy who should have been liking these movies. Like, so I feel like they made these for you. Exactly. Yeah. And so to see which ones worked and didn't work is an interesting conversation for me because I am open to the ideas of remakes, yeah. but this one for me, it just completely failed. I'm not going to, I, I, I consider this one of my, I hate this movie more than anything. <laughs> like th- this is, you. <laughs> yeah, like this one, like, you know, people talk about the fog remake. Yeah. It's horrible, but I, and I do like John Carpenter's the fog a lot, yeah. but it's not a nightmare on Elm street to me. So it's just like, th- this one is like, it strikes a chord. It hurts more because it's personal to you. I promised uh, myself I would never, ever watch this movie again. Uh-huh, and look and then I said, yeah, <laughs> and then I was like, God damn it, Larry. <laughs> Um, I think Kyle Gallner and Rooney Mara are decent actors. They were obviously younger in their career here. But you can see it on their face, especially Rooney Mara. Yeah. The script is awful and she knows it. Exactly. She did what she could with it. Yeah. And that fucking kill line that she has to give her, was it Welcome to My World, Bitch, or whatever? Yeah, I wrote that down. Welcome to My World, Bitch. And like, she seemed embarrassed. She seemed embarrassed. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And like... This is an, a pretty bold, bit brave actress, you know? Yeah. As she moves forward, she seems oh, yeah. to be willing to do just about anything. So exactly. So the fact that she couldn't take that off of her face... Yeah, I think and, she knew she was doing something wrong here. Like, at the time, it's like you're a young actor, mm-hmm. it's a lead role in the remake Tonight on Elm Street. Like, to say no to it would be stupid. Exactly. But, and how many actors made their starts, incredible starts from yeah. horror movies. Like, think of even... Um, who's it? Is it... Brad, no, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Critters 3. Yeah. So it's like, Critters 3 isn't a mess. I'm sure that debatably, Critter, Nightmare on Elm Street remakes better than Critters 3. Yeah. Debatably. So it's like, like I understand. Everybody starts out in the horror Exactly. Movie. Have you ever seen a 70s uh, horror movie, The Sentinel? Yes, I love that movie. Right? Yeah. Everybody's in that movie, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. For like one scene. Oh, there's Jeff Goldblum. Oh, You're the only person I've ever talked to who's seen that movie. Right? There you yeah. go. But like, that's the kind of fun watching these old horror movies. Totally, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff, hopefully, like, years from now, if people are still watching the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, when they unfortunately have to talk about this, they can say, oh, it's a young Rooney Mara. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, exactly. that's about the only point of interest that we have here. Yeah, totally. And uh, <laughs> the, that's the other thing is, um, I have friends who've gone to different film schools, and they've just kind of told me about stuff, because that's always been an interest of mine. And the one thing that they've always said is everywhere that they learn is, like, they're, they've been conditioned to see like the twitchy music video look like you right. know like when there's that's my number one pet peeve in horror movies is like the twitchy industrial Marilyn Manson yeah. yeah and it's like it drives me nuts and this movie is just splattered with it like it's all over the walls there's it's, there's desperate to even the jump scares which like even in my as I get older I can still be privy to a good jump yeah. scare they just seem so desperate so yeah they, they, I don't know I saw this movie on opening night and I would have been 20 years old at the time and the theater was packed. Yeah. It was the quietest, like, like it, it wasn't even people, people weren't audibly mad, scared. It just seemed like everyone in the theater was feeling nothing. Yeah. Like, it wasn't working. And uh, that's catastrophically disappointing to me. 
it seems like a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, like, and what are they going to do? Are they going to re-remake it? Like, like have they officially killed Nightmare on Elm Street with this piece of shit? Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Well, that's that's the thing is you got to wonder. Like, uh, Jackie Earl Haley had such huge boots to fill. Yeah. And like, I know he's taken a lot of heat for that role and not deserved at all. He's like, not the problem. He, no, he's not the problem at all. And like, the only thing is like my Freddy isn't shorter than Nancy, you know, like even little things like that, they, they pulled me up, but that's not his fault. And that's not, I just, I don't know how they could remake Nightmare on Elm Street. It's the one like that. They can't get Robert England again. He's too old. And who else do you cast? It's an impossible. Like, I feel like if you're going to make a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, it almost doesn't need to have Freddy in it. Or like take advantage of the medium moving forward special effects wise we live in the age where like visual things like Doctor Strange happen yeah right exactly so if you're gonna show us the dream world yeah I mean yeah we've seen this movie before but fucking dazzle us exactly with that dream world at least yeah like I know that's step one step one so I think that's a pretty resounding thumbs down on Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Or can the, we the only thing is, uh, I actually just watched it. This is crazy that I watched Cape Fear for the first time this week. Oh, like, yeah? You've seen that, obviously. The Have original or yeah. the remake? There's a remake? Oh, wait. Martin it's, Scorsese's is the remake. Yeah. yeah. That's And then, okay, I knew that. And uh, is Okay, yeah, I watched the remake, the okay. Scorsese's one. Yeah. And that was written by Wesley Strick, who wrote this movie. Oh, wow. I know. And it's like, how do you go from Cape Fear? But the thing is, even I watched Cape Fear for the first time, and that movie blew me away because of how incredibly dumb it is. Like, <laughs> I, I loved it because I was like, this is the dumbest movie. But it was like, at know. least it was I thought fun. De Niro was pretty freaking He's amazing. He's a, he is so good. Yeah, he is unbelievable. It's like the performance. It's like, to me, that movie was just Scorsese on Coke, like hard. <laughs> and like... Um, but yeah, and like even in the Sim- the Simpsons par- parodied that, that uh, to that no movie, end with yeah. Sideshow Bob, and like the Simpsons episode is less goofy than the movie. So I just wanted to show some love for Cape Fear because I loved. I like that's the one thing. Like when I was looking up who wrote this, I'm like, oh, Cape Fear. I haven't seen that yet. So it inspired me to go back and watch that. And I'm yeah. like, fuck. Watch well, that, Cape that, Fear. That, that, that just makes it suck even more to yeah. know that it came from a good place. I know. But at the same time, Cape Fear, now that you say Cape Fear is a remake, yeah. so there's a debate right there. It's like, yes, Nightmare on Elm Street failed, but Cape Fear succeeded. Yeah, I haven't there. seen the original, but... Oh, Robert Mitchell. It's great. Oh, yeah. I like it. I like it. As some of you may have heard, there was an incident last night, and one of your recent graduates here was killed. We need you all to be on the lookout for any suspicious activity. You guys just moved in, huh? Upstairs? How do you know? Can you hear me through the wall? Only sometimes. Police and fire investigators are now several hours into their investigation. Do you think there's such a thing as evil? Help me. Hello? You okay? What are you? things about remakes is sort of depends on your relationship with the original film okay yeah 
Let Me In is a remake of Let the Right One In, which I think is pretty amazing. <laughs> like, the original film I hold in high esteem. I'm not a vampire guy, typically. I didn't think I was. Yeah. But I've realized that I am. Maybe but, increasingly you are. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought that was a fantastic vampire movie, yeah. and I don't run into a lot of those. Yeah. And it was so well handled and with such a light hand and with such nuance. Yeah. One wondered what could be accomplished, really, yeah. by remaking There's it. only one, one answer, and it's a stupid answer. That's <laughs> It'll the, be in English. People can't read. Yeah, like, exactly. But, like, it's a tough one for me because that's the baggage I brought to this movie. Yeah. Right? And uh, so I kind of came in and it had already been, like, sucker punched, whether it wanted to be yeah, or not. Exactly. It's, yeah, exactly. Maybe on some level, part of me was just skeptical of the whole thing. And uh, Matt Reeves directed this. This is the guy who did Cloverfield. Yep. And he did and the... the second and third of the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Yes. Yes. And I think he's a good director. He I is. really do. Yep. And I think he really, really respected the uh, first film. And I think he found a really, really good cast. And I think in a lot of ways, it's a really, really good film. What hurts me, and it's, it's strange, but for me, it is definitely hurt by this cloud of pointlessness yeah it's, like, it's the most senseless it just doesn't need to exist yeah. i like I, I wouldn't necessarily say don't watch that man like i said no. great performances excellent execution they 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 followed the beats i mean they definitely used that original film as a map for a lot of yeah. sequences uh you could tell that matt reeves genuinely loved that movie yeah which is like admirable but yeah i i love the original as well like that's one of the movies that in my adult life showed me how powerful horror movies can be even though the horror is very minimal i think in let the right one in yeah i i truthfully i think it's a masterpiece like i i love that movie it's because for me what made it so effective is it wasn't even watching the movie like it's a beautiful movie to watch yeah. and engaging while you watch it but it stays with you and that ending which initially feels, it feels kind of good when you watch it the first time. The longer you sit with it, the yeah. more you're like, fuck. <laughs> that is not a happy ending. No, no. I shouldn't feel like like happy about the way this played out, should I? But I do. Like, it's complex, and they keep that. Like, one of the only scenes that I remember missing upon watching it this time, in the, in the original film, there's a scene where a bunch of cats fucking freak out on the vampire yeah, and attack yeah. the vampire. And I remember thinking that was a really shocking scene. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised that they didn't try to recreate that. Which we should be grateful for. Because, <laughs> yeah. especially, you know that they would have used CGI. This is another time where, obviously, it's the world that we live in, so we need to accept it. But the thing is... Uh, we've now seen that CGI can be amazing. Yes. They look at, for example, on Matt Reeves, War of the Planet of the Apes, a oh, wow. motion capture, one of the most beautiful looking movies I've ever seen, in my opinion. And um, But that's one of the things that Let Me In suffers from. But overall, I agree with you that it's... it's okay, so i got to go back to the first time I saw it. Um, I saw Let the Right One In at a... Like, whatever I think I would have been around... It would have been three months before Let Me In came out. Okay. So I saw that movie. I loved it. It got so Like, I just was obsessed with it. And I was like, okay, the new, there's a remake coming out. Let's see. Let's go see it. So we went and saw it. And it just felt like I was watching the exact same movie again, but without... It was just missing something. And in my opinion, what it misses is authenticity. 
the the I don't feel like Chloe Grace Moretz and uh, sorry Cody Smith McPhee I think Cody his name. Smith yes. yeah he I don't feel like he like I think that they're both very good actors and actresses and this movie is very confidently acted but I didn't necessarily buy their connection as much as I did in the original so this is a prime example of something that if you had seen Let Me in the fir- first yeah it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, I hated this movie when it first came out. I'd only seen it once. I hated it because I was like, it's pointless. Yeah. Like, why, why does this exist? Um, but I watched it for the second time last week because of coming on the show. And my girlfriend and I both, we, we felt similar about it where we were like, why? It was just, it felt unnecessary. Yeah. But it's been three or four years since I've seen the original. And watching this movie with like fresh eyes, like not directly at seeing Let the Right One In. We both were, we enjoyed it way more than we expected to. I, I, I did not think that I liked this movie, but honestly, I think it's a very good movie. It's it a is. very competent movie. It's just unnecessary. I think you make a good point when you say that if you'd watched Let Me In first, yeah. you might be saying the mirror of this when you watched the, yeah. the other version. It could be that, mm-hmm. depending on which one you saw first, you'd like the other better because the story's not as fresh the second yeah. time. And they don't change enough about the story to really do that because... And again, they would be screwed if they did, right? Yeah, totally. They're damned if they do, damned if they don't. Yeah. So I guess we should talk a little bit about the plot, since we got this far and we yeah. haven't. Uh, and it, again, I will compliment the movie for not soft-shooting the bully in, in the movie at all. Yeah, and, that, and he's gone on to do some pretty great things, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's now, um, what's his name? Dylan, Dylan something. <laughs> um, but he's the lead in Goosebumps, uh, TV show, Netflix, 13 Reasons Why. He's canon? I think so. Is that it? Dylan. Uh, this is what editing is for. Yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. I I can't remember, but Dylan he, Minette. Dylan Minette. Dylan Minette. Yeah, he like he he's a good actor, and he's always playing. And every other thing that I've seen him in, he plays the kid who's being bullied. Right. So to see him play that bully so effectively was pretty awesome. Like, cause I hated him and wanted his face beaten in really yeah. badly. <laughs> Yeah, but a lot of the times, and I've, I've said this when I reviewed the original, when you see bullying, because it centers around a little boy who is terribly bullied. Yeah, brutal. Uh, who, who befriends a vampire who moves in next door. I keep on forgetting to talk about plot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got no confidence. He meets this girl who has the, her secret, and the friendship makes him bloom and get stronger. But yeah, before we get to the point where he finds his strength or finds you know, a way through this, we see him suffer and suffer. Yeah. And bullying isn't just pushing a kid down on the ground and saying, nah, 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 yeah. right? It's personal, it's violent, it's ugly. Emotional. It's every day. Yeah. And it hurt you as much as we can with a smile on our face. Yeah. And very rarely, very rarely does Hollywood get it right. Yeah. And it gets it right here. So, I agree. Stag- yeah, I agree. Stag- I agree. Uh, this little vampire has an assistant played by Richard Jenkins who's an actor who's always Incredible great to actor. watch yeah. always great yeah. to watch so, um, and uh, he's kind of losing his game a little bit yeah uh, he's getting old he's getting sloppy so in his uh, attempt to uh, supply her with blood he is captured he temporarily manages to disfigure himself to buy her some time yeah. but she needs to relocate and she needs to find I guess a new keeper or yeah. whatever you call it you, know? you basically start to think that maybe like this boy that she's having a connection with is eventually just going to become him again yeah and that's what they they kind of force feed that and i feel like they it was more subtle and let the right one in but i'm still okay with it i get it americans are stupid oh and let the right one in they they address it kind of directly yeah she actually says i can't love you back to him yeah 
I, uh, yeah, totally. And I missed that bit here. Like, it wasn't there. Um, and I like the way Grace Moretz too, but I think that was actually quite an important scene because, uh, like, otherwise maybe he would just be food to her eventually, right? Yeah. But he said, you can love me and be okay with me not loving you back, then maybe this can work. Yeah, totally. So the relationship becomes a lot colder than you kind of realize. He's getting a need out of it, and he absolutely loves her, will do anything for her. Yeah. Will, in fact, through the narrative, become a mass murderer yeah. because of her. Yeah. And this is the happy ending. That we're yeah, I know. Yeah. The moral of the story is women do crazy things <laughs> to men. <laughs> yes. It's true. You're going to get us in trouble here. Yeah, sure. I'll keep it down. But, again... All of these feel like wins when we see it, so you're torn to feel about it. Yeah. Those bullies are so awful, so when you see them totally ripped apart and killed, you're like, part of you is like, yeah, fuck you guys. It's the best. That's <laughs> why, yeah, the the ending in Let the Right One In, I hold to like that, such high standard. Like I, I remember the first time I saw that ending, my jaw was dropped. Like yeah. it was genuinely dropped. I couldn't believe what I just saw. And um, I f- remember being disappointed with the ending in uh, Let Me In. But they did, like, upon rewatch, they, they still did a pretty good job. They did almost the exact same thing. It's, it was missing the head. Yeah. There was the head at the end. But uh, I think that he was trying to avoid the Gus Van Sant approach, where yeah. you actually literally go shot for shot. And it makes me wonder, I haven't read the novel that it's based on, but I yeah. wonder if the novel specifically keeps you underwater with the boy, too. He's yeah. being horrendously bullied, and this the big bad of the bullies, the one that he'd been tormented by, had a big brother. Yeah, I, I love hold, that they include that. Yeah, yeah, so we know where this other belief came from. Yeah. But he's going to hold this kid's head underwater for three minutes. He's going to basically drown him yeah. as the stakes. And from the boy's point of view, underwater, all of the bullies are killed, and he is lifted out of the water and, and made safe. Yeah. And it's incredibly handled in the original movie, so much so that they basically do the exact same thing here. Like I said, I wonder if in the book they stay narratively with the kid, too. Yeah. Because... Like again, yeah, you remade it, but why? <laughs> I know, yeah, it, it makes no sense. Uh, and just the coldness, the coldness in that little girl character. It's it's again really well done by Chloe Grace from Moretz, but it's just slightly better than the other one. Yeah, I, I like their relationship a lot more. Uh, honestly, I I understand that Chloe Grace Moretz is a good actress, but I don't personally like her that much because I feel like she either always overacts or really underacts and I feel like she's underacting in this movie like I feel like she's trying so hard to just be empty and nothing right. which I get but it was hard like her performance didn't draw me in as much as the original one so that's the other thing with remakes you have this standard that you're set and when the movie is as great as it is like like the right one in of course you're going to be a little hard on it but uh, what my my closing thoughts on this and you can talk as much as you want about it mm-hmm. but like is I genuinely re- I enjoyed this movie re-watching it uh, and I didn't the first time yeah. so I feel like I was a little unfair I do agree with you it's pointless Yeah. but it's it's a competent movie I would have been much more upset if they'd remade it terribly oh totally I could yeah. still make the same arguments that they didn't need to remake it yeah. but I'm glad they didn't screw it up I'm glad it, like someone who loved the movie made this yeah, movie totally. and that's what was missing when we were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street and the stuff he does right, he does really right. It's the emotional beats that you need to get right. I've always thought it was really important that the police investigator that gets eaten, yeah. that we like him. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah. That like 
that 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 shouldn't be a good thing. Yeah. But at the same time, we kind of don't want him to catch this little girl. I know. Yeah. But we don't want him to die. But one of those two things is going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just like this slow motion car wreck, which is really, really pitch like pitch perfect. The oh totally. And speaking of car wrecks, like that that car wreck scene. Oh. That's both one of my favorite parts of the movie and one of the flaws in my opinion. Right. Because I feel like that's where the difference with the original is Richard Jenkins and he it's important that he points it out that he says maybe I want to get caught maybe I'm getting sloppy right. I think that that's important to have it in but you watch the subtlety in the original of how he went about doing these things like he was just on a walk and he just grabbed somebody yeah. and then in this one it's almost goofy seeing him with a bag over his head with his eyes poked out it's just like it turns into a different movie in my opinion yeah. but that scene is so tense and it's expertly shot and it's one of the things that's not shot for shot from the original yes, movie. Yes, exactly. It they did different to a little this bit. movie. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, like, they I were it. really close. Yeah. To the, I like it, but I like the original more. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a bad movie, but if someone said, should I watch Let Me In? I should say, you should definitely watch Let the Right One In. Yeah, totally. And uh, if you feel like checking out Let Me In, do it. Yeah. I'm not going to say don't. Yeah. I agree. Uh, that's I agree not that. exactly yeah. enthusiastic. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre from Marcus Nistel, the guy who does a lot of remakes. Yeah, he did the Friday the 13th reboot as well. Yeah, and the, the Conan the Barbarian one. Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah. With um, Jason Momoa. What helps me getting into this movie is that I actually don't hold the original I've heard Texas that. Chainsaw Massacre to highest. Like, I don't hate it. I understand yeah. the place it holds in history and why it's effectively scary. But it's not a movie that I feel I need to revisit over and over again. Yes. As an experience, in fact, I find it so kind of icky that it's 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 kind of it's, unpleasant. Yeah, it is. It's a shrill, unpleasant experience and an effective horror movie. Yes. This uh, sort of recreates that sort of vibe of being really hard to take at times as like really intensely yeah. crazy, but it's way more composed and way more professionally executed. Totally. So one could argue that it's like the polar opposite. It's a big budget, professionally produced <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that should fundamentally change the effectiveness of the story. It is. And uh, I don't think it does. I think the movie does what it means to do. Whether or not you find that entertaining is probably a matter of personal taste. I agree. But if you're in the mood for a Texas Chainsaw movie, this is a pretty decent one. It is. <laughs> it's yeah. very well made. It's got a really good cast. Uh, I also have a personal relationship with it. <laughs> Me aside, too. A side story. When this came out in 2003, I was in Edmonton because my grandmother had passed away. Oh. Literally, the day after my grandmother is put in the ground, my buddy Scott said, it'll take you out to a movie, get your mind off of things, well-intentioned. And we go to oh, see this, this remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on a fucking IMAX screen in the West Edmonton <laughs> Mall, right? 
And I gotta say, when I came out of that theater, I, my legs felt wobbly. Like I, I felt weirdly shaken, almost like I was in shock from the movie. And part of it was that it was a loud, scary horror movie and way too big. It wasn't meant to be on an IMAX screen. Like that's not the ideal way to see this no. movie. And just just on the precipice of, of burying my grandmother, it seems somehow disrespectful. Yeah. But, I will always remember the experience of seeing this remake, which also just gives it a personal wrinkle that maybe gives me more access to it. Totally. I get that it's impressive and grisly and ugly and gross, and I get that that's exactly what they were meaning to do. Should have been that way. And they did it well. So I guess I'm a fan of the remake. I agree with you. I agree with you. And um, through, like I, I was telling you before that I've been listening to your podcast a mm-hmm. lot. And like, so I've heard you talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre a lot. And like, I I, I was curious how you'd feel about this one. Right. Because I, I consider the original one of my top 10 favorite horror movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that movie. Um, but I, I love this one too. Yeah. And I think that it's one of the, like, it, it's, it's way stronger than people give it credit for. I feel like this is an easy target that a lot of people use when it comes to remakes. This was really, it had to have been the first, like, Hollywood, big budget Hollywood movie that really started this trend of remakes. It was the I first, like, this was the Platinum Dunes. Yeah, because, yeah, they, after this, they'd done The Fog and, like, the... The Hitcher. The Hitcher, yeah. Shit. They'd done, yeah. And um, I think that they did a pretty great job, job with it. But I also have a sort of sem- sentimental connection with this movie. Um, nowhere near like yours, obviously. Like that's tragic, but like <laughs> I can't. Um, yeah, my my older sister. At the, so I would have been twelve years old when this movie came out. Oh wow! So if you think about that it, like I know, I know, and like, <laughs> but and the the way that the way that I see it is that you you what? How old were you when you saw the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Oh, uh, probably yeah. Maybe my well, sex Chainsaw was probably about a teenager. Yeah, maybe more fifteen or sixteen. But you were starting to discover this stuff at that age. I was, like, yeah, yeah, almost that, almost old enough so that I could be watching it legitimately. Anyway. Yeah, and like that's how I w- I was the target audience for this movie. Right. Um. But and I'd already become a little bit of a horror fan. Like I love the old eighties stuff, like Child's Play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaws is one of my favorite movies. But my sister doesn't like horror movies. And this is the movie, this is the reason why. Right. She, She's scarred by it. She went to it, so she would have been in high school. Um, my dad and I had, to, like, I was. I remember, like, I'll never forget, I was playing PlayStation in my room, and my dad came, he's like, you gotta come with me, we're going to pick up your sister. I'm like, where is she? She's like, saw some stupid fucking horror movie, and it scared the shit out of her. <laughs> and she left, she left the movie. Like, yeah. she, she didn't finish the movie. Um, she had to go through therapy because of this movie. Oh my god! Yeah. So like that, you got to think about that. Like there, there's there are people out there who just will stumble into horror movies. So they they they're not accustomed to this kind of stuff like we are. Um, we're a little desensitized at this point. But well, so and to be fair, there are horror movies and there are like capital H yeah horror. And movies. I think as far as of like Hollywood horror movie goes, yeah, this movie's admirably brutal <laughs> and. Coming from, it doesn't try to replicate the original, which is what I like about it so much. It does do, it it pays homage to a lot of it, in my opinion. And I feel like in some ways, this is going to sound sacrilegious to a lot of people. But you've heard me say, I, I love the original. But I feel like this movie actually improves on some of the things from the original. I feel like the characters are more likable in this movie. 
which makes their deaths ten times more yeah. like hard to watch. There's like, no character that I actively dislike. No, other and, than the villains who I'm supposed to exactly. And dislike. even you, you kind of feel bad for them. Besides yeah. Arlie Army, which rest in peace. Oh. Like the this, he is such a son of a bitch. I know in this movie. Yeah, is he's he's awful. He was born to play these yeah. roles, though. Like and he's he, very similar to Full Metal Jacket. He's yeah. loving doing totally. it too. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you want an over the top villain, you could do no no better than earlier. <laughs> yeah, like he he will bring the scare. He will go as big as you want him to. And yeah, I, I'm gonna miss that dude. I really oh, miss yeah. Him. yeah. But I think we can't undersell the ugliness of it. Yeah, like I think that the original Texas Saint Chainsaw Massacre is part of one of my questions about it. Is it has this reputation of being super gruesome, this and in the end, it's almost pretty no blood. minimal yeah. and it's gruesome. Whereas this it's is fucking gruesome. We see a woman commit suicide in like the first 15 minutes of the movie. By pulling a gun out of her snatch. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> from between her legs, blowing her brains up, and the camera actually passes through, through it. Her, skull her skull and out the back window. Yeah. It's an amazing shot. Like it's impressive just yeah. the that they conceived and executed it. And it is utterly horrifying it is yeah. and brother we're just getting started I know I know <laughs> that's the inciting incident and it was smart on a couple of levels I'm not sure about her pulling the gun up from between her legs that is weird now that you pointed out yeah uh, but they weren't going to be able to, to match that hitchhiker right no they weren't going to be able to recreate that so yeah. they didn't try same thing with the dinner table sequence. Love, I love that they left that out. What, like, what, what could you possibly do to no. make a scene more intensely crazy than that? Exactly. Probably nothing. So let's not bother. Yeah, don't. You're making your own movie now. This is just like, and the, you could tell. I, I'm actually not positive if Marcus Nispel loves the original, but it felt like he does. Yeah. And it felt like he didn't want to tread, like, step on the feet of Toby Hooper and like anything from the original. Like, but you know, with that being said. There's so much brutality in this movie. Specifically, um, the scene that always got me was the skater boy guy who got his leg of the car. Oh, where his leg gets cut off, and then you see Leatherface put the salt, rock salt in. Yeah, and it's just like I remember. I remember sweating when I was watching this movie. So I was like 12 years old. I loved it because I was like, that's the that's the high that I'm chasing now with horror movies. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake, plays a big role in that for me. Is that I, I'm always looking for the movie that's going to make me sweat. Yeah. Make me forget about everything in the world except for what I'm watching. And this movie did it. Yeah. And um, though, obviously, as I've gotten older, I see its flaws. And like it, like I have such appreciation for the original. This is a fine remake, yeah. in my opinion. I For me, the visceral stuff really works. And I understand that's when you're talking about. Because his leg looks... Snap that thing. <laughs> Sorry. His, his leg looks just brutal and like the, yeah. the way the flesh is just dangling off it. It's just like, oof, I can't imagine. But for me, it seems like Arlie Ermey in the backseat of the van with that kid making him sit in the puddle of this woman's like brains and reenact the suicide, torturing him, smacking the teeth out of his mouth. No answer he can give because correct. Everything he says is wrong. It's hopeless. And I find like... I find torture scenes when it's physically torture, it's like it makes me squirm a little bit, but I can hack it. Yeah. Psychological torture like that, like that makes me so mad. It I makes know. me so mad. Yeah. And when I'm mad, when I'm emotionally reacting to a movie, then I'm kind of in its hands, right? Totally. Yeah, I'm mad, but the movie's trying to get me mad. So when this chick finally hits the gas 
and runs that sheriff over, I'm practically on my feet saying, yes, yeah. fuck you. Yeah, exactly. And th- this is another one, though, like, it's it's a great cautionary tale. Because this is, a, like, in classic, uh, classic horror movie fashion, it starts off so happy. There's Sweet Home Alabama playing, or I think that's the song that's at the beginning. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. and they everything's happy, and then just one thing happens, and it shows... Them doing the right thing gets them all killed. Yeah, like they're they're no trying to do the right thing. Unpunished. Exactly, and the idea, and I think it resonated with me, and I would obviously with you too, is that living in Saskatchewan, it's not all that far off for around here. Yeah. Like that's so. The it's, it's very easy to feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Exactly, drive ten kilometers yeah. in any direction, and right. you meet you can meet some characters around here. Oh yeah, so it's it's a type of movie that. I will always think about whenever I go on a road trip. Right? Yeah. I like, and that's to me a highest compliment you can give a movie yeah. is that you're going to think about it. It's also psychologically oppressive. Like yeah. I, I talk about the scene in the back seat, but the the first kid that dies, uh, kid from six feet under, <laughs> uh, Belfour. Yeah, Eric Belfour. Yeah, um, we don't get a lot of time to know this guy, but you know that he does the right thing when the body's in the car he gets rid of the stash of drugs yeah. he was trying to hide from his girlfriend and then we subsequently find out as he's being brutally massacred that he had an engagement ring in his pocket <laughs> and that Jessica Beale's never going to know about that yeah. right to her that trip was going to always be about him scoring drugs and exactly. it was about him proposing marriage and yeah. she doesn't get to know it we do it's yeah. psychologically rude that, that kid that we like and feel for in the back of the car and he's so tortured What's his recompense for sur- surviving that? Yeah, he gets agreed. cut in half from the growing up. <laughs> yeah, the chains and slow. Yeah, <laughs> right? and that's and he, that's the other thing too is it's it's kind of like uh, the actor Anton Yelchin also rest yeah. in peace. But he's uh, so is that Yelchin? Yeah, uh, no, that's not Yelchin. Oh, but I'm, like, I, I'm comparing it to a bit where he is sympathetic. Like you, you feel for that guy because you. I partially identify with that guy. Like it's like you. He's the odd man out in the group. Exactly, but it's it's impossible to think about what you would do in that situation. Uh, like, and he's a little bitch. Yeah. Like, as probably ninety eight percent of people would be. What else do you do when you have a gun in your mouth by some psychopath you don't know? And what makes it even more effective is like uh, I do know about like a little behind the scenes thing. Apparently, our our Lee Army would. Um, put the gun in his mouth so far that he threw up a right. couple times and they kept his vomit on his yeah. mouth like while they were filming that scene and you just watch him sweat and it's like it's so effective so often in horror movies they seem to go into it thinking well these kids are going to die so we don't want to emotionally devastate the audience so let's make them not like them so there'll be some kind of a big up kick when they die Yeah. and again sort of like when I was talking about the last taste and let me in I think it's much more effective if we actually like these people yeah. and we identify with them. And when they go down, it's like, dude, that sucks. I know. Someone yeah. needs to stop this, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I wasn't expecting to emotionally engage with it. Like, again, I, I went to see this movie stupidly the day after a very emotional thing yeah. on an IMAX screen thinking, this is going to be dumb and fun. Yeah, no. And it, <laughs> this is... They play with such a straight face. It was actually pretty smart and it was very professionally executed and it got under my yeah. skin. It does have that Hollywood polish, though. Yeah. That's something that we need to make sure we mention because it's the, overproduced slightly. Yeah, I get. That. It's got the music video MTV feel at times, but it's also that's the time that it came out in. Like that's yeah. like it could have looked a lot worse. Like even 
I, I, I hate him, but I can't pronounce his last name. Andrew Berniski, the guy who plays Leatherface in this. Okay. Um, do you know anything about him? Like, he... Uh, I know he's been in a few Michael Bay movies. Yeah, and, like, I think he did a great thing with the character. Like, he, I think that his Leatherface was menacing, scary. Um, you think about... Um, have, you seen, have you seen Texas Chainsaw 4? Like next with uh, Matthew McConaughey and Renee, yes, Renee, yes, the next like generation. awful. Like, yeah. But like uh, Renee Zellweger, there's a scene where she tells Leatherface to sit down, and he does. Yeah, like you got to imagine someone doing that to this yeah. Leatherface. Like he's just brutal, and he is very different. Yeah, like, he is. The other Leatherface is kind of subservient to the family. Yeah, he's kind of he's low dog in the family, but terrifying to anyone else. Totally. It seems like all he understands is butchering meat and supplying meat for the freezer that's just yeah. what he does it's not personal he's not even evil I don't think are you talking personal. about in the original I'm talking about in the original yes I agree in the that, first yeah. one in this one this guy he's just evil. loves to kill yeah. things he's he loves to it. kill you he knows that you're scared yeah. and he's getting off on that mm-hmm. and you know no, no minor flesh wound to his leg for this movie he gets his fucking arm chopped off I love right? that yeah li- li- it's those little touches that I appreciate you would not have, you did not expect that to happen no you did not expect Leatherface to lose yeah. his fucking arm. Like, and that's, yeah. And, like, back, what I was getting at there is... Oh, um, no, it's totally fine. I, uh, it was really tragic when Gunnar Hansen passed away. Um, Andrew, whatever his last name is, he went to Twitter and was, like, just a complete asshole. Oh, like, no. yeah, he was just going, like, oh, boo-hoo, like, making fun of people for caring about Gunnar Hansen passing away. And you that still was still have your leather face here? Is that the idea? Yeah, well, that, that and he, like, he thinks he did better. Wow. And, like, that's the thing, though, is, like, just don't, like, the, the, that's, like, the, my main gripe with the movie now. Yeah. And I hate that. I'm, like, it's something that has nothing to do with the movie, but it's just, like, you asshole. That's just, this yeah. is where you came well, from. That's the, that's the world we live in. Like, yeah, totally. actors that I formerly love. I, I really like Kevin Spacey as an actor. No. Right? Yeah. And now it's hard to see him in stuff. Yeah. Like, I really like Jeffrey Jones as an actor. It's hard to see him in stuff. I just found out about James Woods. Right. And I, I just finished uh, talking about Videodrome on right. our show. Lo- loved Videodrome. Yeah. But, like, J- James Woods is a despicable, deplorable human. <laughs> like, but that, that's that's just a little yeah. ad thing. I'm going to... When I'm rating this movie, I'm not going to think about that. But it's just... It's a bummer. Because yeah. it's like, you, you know, this movie actually has a lot of great things. There's a lot of good things to say about this one. I didn't see it coming. It's no. way better than I expected. Yeah. And I still think, as far as remakes go, it's one that always comes up and deserves its spot in that conversation. For sure. Yeah. Uh, do you know who, little fun fact, who was originally wanted to, like, uh, who Platinum Dudes, Dunes was wanting to play Leatherface in this one was Dolph Lundgren. Oh, really? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, I, I can't. I mean, he doesn't say a lot. In a lot of ways, it's a physical yeah. role. But. Yeah, but I just, I want my Leatherface to be fat. And, like, yeah. I, I want him to be just like a... A big, fleshy transvestite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, I'm like... And <laughs> Wearing I, an Eric Belfour mask. That was That was great. We, we got a chilly. Yeah, that, like, and that's something that they didn't do in the original either. Is where you watch him wear like an actual character's that face. Yeah, yeah. But that would have been really hard to recreate then. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That gave me nightmares. So yeah. I saw this movie when I wasn't desensitized yet, and it, it worked so well. <laughs> it, ter- it terrified me. Great movie. I think you're cute. What do you do exactly? I take pictures of mannequins. I try to bring them to life. Would you like to see my work? 
you're incredibly talented. They may just have found the last true romantic. I don't know about all that. Stop staring. You're missing a movie. This is one of the remakes where I don't really have a close relationship with the original. I thought years and years ago it didn't really register that deeply with me. It kind of felt like another slasher movie. It was kind of interesting because Tom Savini supplied the special effects. Yeah. You gotta love Tom Savini, especially when he's working in the effects department. But sort of just felt like, especially in the 80s, another slasher movie, right? Yeah. So... What I will definitely give this Maniac version points for is that they brought something new to the, the, the table. And that's, you know, I guess an artistic vision, you know. Yeah. And uh, a definite sense of style. The weird thing when you talk about a movie about Maniac, which is a point-of-view thriller starring yeah, first person, Elijah, Elijah Wood. Wood as a serial killer trophy hunter of women is he scalps women here we are you know within the midst of the me too movement yeah where movies like this you know be hard to green light increasingly harder to green light they're becoming a thing of the past i don't know if that's a good or bad thing i just think it's definitely a thing i agree but um, i think this movie makes an argument on that though well that's sort of my point like on a technical visual execution level yeah I don't have anything negative to say about this movie. No. The point of view work is impeccable, and that's not easy to pull off. And yeah. I was skeptical of the idea of Elijah Wood as a sinister serial killer, and he is disturbing yes. in the movie. But I, I guess when I talked about Let Me In, I said, like, do we need this movie? Like, is it necessary? Yeah. Is there a point? However beautiful, however artistic, <laughs> Yeah. like... Why is this a story that needs to be told exactly. over and over and over again? Um, I think for this type of movie, it's probably as good as it gets. Yes. <laughs> but what is it? Is it good? Is it bad? Like, I'm actually asking this to you earnestly because there's a lot to respect in this movie. I think it's really interesting. I think it's even well intended. But in the end, it's about a dude who scalps chicks it, and makes trophies. It's out. one of those ones. It's kind of like uh, Michael Haneke's Funny Games, where you feel weird saying, I love this movie. <laughs> but I fucking love this movie. <laughs> like, I. Um, no disrespect to any listeners who have a strong affinity for the original, right. but I think this movie blows the original completely out of the water. I feel like it's not even a contest. Right. And that's the only time that we're going to talk about that today with these, like, six movies. And that's pretty cool that like this is a prime example of a movie that had a pretty awesome idea and for whatever reason it just worked out like it was produced and written by alexander Aja, yeah. who had done the hills have eyes remake Which high tension fantastic. that's my favorite remake the um, hills have eyes and evil dead are my favorite remakes which it's another day <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but i know you love the evil dead remake as well so yeah. like i just wanted to, that i 
that's how you do a remake. Yeah. And yes. Um, but yeah, this movie is, it's nuts. And yeah. it's incredibly uncomfortable. But that's the thing is that at no point does it feel like it's glorifying. It, it, it's it not tru- asking you to get off no, on this exactly. at all. And it truthfully tackles mental illness in such a great way that people... I feel like people aren't going to care enough to, to read deeply into, into, into that enough, if that makes any sense. Like, on sur- like you say, on the surface, it's just a brutal movie. But if you really think about it, like his, how he has this inner monologue, you're watching him commit these horrific acts, you're seeing where this anger comes from, and you're listening to even his heartbeat changing, like down to his heartbeat. Yeah. I'm like, this was a masterful movie, and I think it's one of the best remakes what I appreciate about it, if not enjoy, because it's hard to say you enjoy it, yeah. is that voyeuristically, when you're put in the perspective, when you're looking through the point of view of someone's eyes, almost you can't help but take a sympathetic view to their position. Yeah. In some way, you, you, know, you don't want him to kill these women, but like you have no choice but to see it from his point of view. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the longer you look from his point of view, you sort of see what's motivating him and what's he going to do to get out of this. But it never asks you to cheer for him. It never thinks... Anytime a woman gets brutally fucking scalped, and you're, you're, you're watching not it like, from oh, wow, that was a great effect. You're like, please stop. stop. <laughs> yeah. Please I know. stop. So it's really not even trying to appeal to that bloodthirsty Hills Have Eyes gang. Right? Exactly, yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because these guys can make that movie too, but that's not what this movie is. That's not what this movie is at all. Like this Agreed. is actually, that psychological component actually tries to make it about something. It, it reminds me of a discussion I had with my buddy Jared about Martyrs, that fucking yeah. brutal French thriller. I love that movie. Like, yeah. I think it's amazing in execution and it's undeniably like shakes you emotionally. But in the end, it's a movie about violence on women, right? I totally disagree. Well, I mean, it's but, about yeah. religious oh, yeah. extremism. Yes. But it's all packaged in violence on yeah. women and torture and, yeah. like, we have to cause all, all of this That's suffering. a great way to compare it to. Maniac, uh, Martyrs comes to mind. Yeah. And that, how do you treat so violence? This is the movie that you came to. This is what you paid your money to see. Yeah. And in a little way, they're kind of rubbing our nose in it. And we kind of deserve it. Exactly. Because what is it? in us that would make us want to watch this Maniac movie like I said I had no great attachment to the original and when I heard uh, Elijah Wood was playing the psycho killer yeah I guess he sort of did that in Sin City and maybe I can see it but physically can he be scary can he be intimidating Yeah, and And they they were able to do that because we're his eyes we only see Elijah Wood a handful of times right Yeah, and it's framed so well and the point of view stuff is executed so well Again, technically, you could turn the sound off on the movie and just look at the point of view work, and it, learn from. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's like a it's a film clinic. <laughs> it's like a De Palma movie. Like, it's it's like how people watch De Palma to to set up shots and everything. That it's like th- this is uh, it's one of its kind. It also is a complex psychological nar- narrative that more modern films are getting into. It's not like a simple slasher film. But it stylistically gives nudges to where it came from. Yeah. The music kind of suggests a different time, even though it's still a Rob. story. Yeah, score by Rob. One of my favorite scores. Yeah. Just, his name's, like, he just goes by Rob. <laughs> and that score is unbelievable. It's, it's really so, good. It, and it, this was before all of the, like, heavy synth stuff was coming back. Counterintuitive to the horror, because yeah. almost by itself it doesn't 
play like a horror soundtrack necessarily. No. Well, it's like an old school like Carpenter even. like the, the, All that influenced easily, you can tell. Like Same with the It Follows comes yeah. to mind. Like The, the artist one. disaster piece. Like they, You can tell all these people were inspired by Carpenter and the mood. And mood is a big thing in Maniac. And I think that they tackle it and execute it perfectly. And again, this same director made a film called P2. Yeah, I just watched that for the first time over Christmas. Yeah, it's and it's a totally decent sort of stalker in the dark boo cinema. I think like very well technically executed. But I think he jumped his game about three stages. Oh, tenfold. I like when I found out that because like that's the thing is like his for me P2 is like the the story was a complete miss, but the the execution. the execution of like the violence. It's like this guy has a real knack for violence and like how to make it very visceral and brutal on screen, and yeah. and he he does it. This is a masterclass. And the cinematography. Yes. Yeah. The cinematography mm-hmm. really strikes me too. Uh, even in P two, that whole sequence is a woman just walking to find her car, and she's only lit by her phone. Yeah. And we just see this ghostly face appear over her shoulder. Yeah, it's good. And same with the, the the kill with uh he's like tied up to a chair, like with with the cards. Like yeah. it's so over the top. But, but I'm like I remember like tense, what? Tense, <laughs> yeah. Tense. And in this movie we have that tension too. But it, it all it's all in their eyes. Elijah Wood's very placid, and we don't have a lot of access to his expression. Yeah. But we see when the chi- the, the the woman he's with sort of senses something's wrong. Totally. We see that turn take place where they realize they're not safe anymore. Yeah. And uh, there's only a couple of times where he kind of goes full maniac. That yeah. one chick that she ends up hog tying because he takes it really personal with her. Yeah. He doesn't even wait till she's dead to scalp her. I know. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... But again, it's not a hurrah moment. It's no. not like Jason Voorhees kill that you kind of go, no. oh, that was awesome. And, <laughs> and it, it's, it's, not, yeah, it's, it's not one of those movies that you want to revisit all the time. But exactly. like I remember when, when we talked about this episode and I saw it on the list, like, I've been with my girlfriend for two years now, and like it's been on my shelf for since we before we started dating. And I've always been like, there will be a day where I get to show you this because like that's my favorite thing to do with her is like because she's not desensitized. She loves horror movies, but watching her reactions in this movie is it's amazing. It's my favorite thing in the world. So obviously the the movie bumps up because of that, and even like getting to the the ending, I think it's one of. I think it's one of the best modern endings in a horror movie in a very long time. It's not the ending... Well, I guess it's the ending you want, but yeah. not the ending I guess maybe you're expecting. Not a, there's no way you could expect that. Yeah. Uh, they do a really good job of this meet-cute that he has yes. with this, this woman who genuinely appreciates his, quote, art. Uh, this main character, we should say. And you uh, care about her, and she's gorgeous. Yeah, she's <laughs> super pretty. Yeah. Uh, he, he makes these... I guess mannequin Mannequins, posing yeah. models and yeah. mannequins sort of dresses them and not dresses them. But it all plays to his fetishizing of women. Totally. If there's a little bit of a shortcut psychologically, I would say that's the mummy issue. Yeah. Mummy was a prostitute and subjected it's intro. It's, it's very intro to psych. Yeah. This, is, this is how you make a maniac. Yeah. But uh, again, it's just... It's the fact that, that if you came to this movie to be titillated, you, you're kind of being punished. In a yeah, way. You're totally. Kind of being, you're kind of, no, this is not this is not P2. P2 no, is fine, but exactly. this is not what we're That's here fun, to do. Yeah. And going back to what you said about how it is very intro to Psych and everything, I feel like that is such an easy choice to do. Yeah. Like, oh, he's got mommy issues. But the way that they treat his, the scenes of him as a young boy it's and watching his mom bring these people home and watching, watching him on the street watch her give herself to men and it's like the 
that happens. Like the kids are exposed to that. And like, that's got to be the most damaging thing in the world. And like they, I feel like they treated it. I feel like to not show how gross it was would be irresponsible, irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're taking it seriously. Yes. Yeah. They're taking it seriously. But at the same time, it's like, this is such an over-the-top movie. Like, it's like, when you come to, like, when I come in contact with people, are like, what's a horror movie that's going to really mess me up? I think, well, like, Martyrs or Maniac. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, those are the first two that come to mind. Well, the, like, Martyrs almost traumatized me. Like, yeah. I was, like, fucking... It, it, it's the last movie it that It was a really, punch in the stomach, yeah. It was really unpleasant. It's a fantastic movie. Again, really, yeah. I wouldn't... I was comparing it, I don't know if it's quite on the same level there, but... I, 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 I get where you're going with Their that. goals are similar. Yes. In that, yeah. They're, they're dressing up, they made a really serious take on this movie but like i say at the end of the day what what's selling tickets wasn't all of that thought wasn't all of that energy totally it's this idea of women being tortured or made into these ornaments and why does that work why does that make money again and again yeah and again roger ebert and gene siskel when they were really famous in the 80s did this huge diatribe talking about the horror movie at writ large, basically, yeah, which was my slashers. big issues, right? Yeah. But specifically slasher movies. But really, that's what they should do. They, like they could, there's few they could bring up as this, you know, the sorority road type killing yeah, movies, yeah. or like where it's specifically killing women and being really ugly. Exactly. Uh, and I, I lost a, lot, a little bit of respect, eh, because I love the horror genre, and I don't think you should censor movies no for no. any particular yeah. reason. Um, but I think that they they weren't wrong in that there are movies that are like that. Yeah. And arguably, maybe the original Maniac wasn't was that. Yeah, I, but I could see the that. remake. It's not isn't the remake is so much smarter than the original. It doesn't just improve on it. It's just it's, it's a wholesale yeah, better. It's a billion times better. Yeah. Like the the original Maniac is actually like it's boring. <laughs> Like, I don't know if you've watched it recently, but, like, it doesn't hold up. I remember watching it because I went through a Tom Savini phase yeah, where I had Savini's to watch great, all the yeah. Savini movies, right? Yeah. So I watched it, but that's that, that's that's the thing. I don't remember it. It, yeah. it kind of... The Prowler and that one almost Prowler, were yeah. a little bit yeah. to me. I, the Prowler is the, the... I think the, the Prowler's mess. better, yeah. But, like, um, going back to Ebert, though, like, Roger Ebert and uh, Siskel, is they... I, back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre quickly. Mm-hmm. That that scored the infamous zero out of five stars from Roger Ebert. Right. But the guy also wrote a four star review on Anaconda. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like no, every everybody has their good and bad things, and yeah. has movies that are personal to them, and I I, I yeah. can respect that. I can get people not understanding this stuff though, especially when you're that. The, I think that this type of movie maybe does need to kind of go away. And I, I, I hear those words come out of my mouth, and it, it's against everything that I understand. I fucking love a Friday the 13th movie, but that's not this. It's that specific thing where we're hunting, torturing, and making ornaments out of women has been well explored. It's been well What else explored. can you do with it? Kind of, is that- and I think that Maniac answered that question. Yeah. So, Maybe Where I would else can say you go? for that it does justify its existence, but if you want to do a movie like this from this point on, you're gonna have to fucking earn it. Yeah, you gotta bring it. <laughs> like, one last thing too is, what's your opinion on Elijah Wood? Do you like him? I. It's interesting how up and down I am. Yeah, I think you have to be careful how you cast him. Totally. Um, because in the right role, he really works. I yeah. have no problem with Frodo, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he works completely for that. And I thought he was a really good child actor. Good I, son. 
the good son. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, I really I've got a soft spot for the faculty. I love that right? movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like, but he is one of these people, these actors, sort of like um, I don't know. Frank Whaley, or even like Leonardo DiCaprio, who yes. just always looks younger totally. than he is. He always looks childlike. And they kind of exploit that well here, those big blue eyes, because yeah. you can sort of see how they don't see him as a threat right away. Totally. And that's very important that you actually bring that up, too. Is like In the original Maniac, he's like a Hulk. He's huge. Yeah, and yeah. in this, it's like... You can see that, like, constantly, like, I think there's a few times where some of the women think that he's gay. Yeah. And, like, they, they, like, they befriend him. He gets... If they were to be accosted by a mugger, she would imagine she would have to protect exactly. him. Exactly. Like, so he's just, he's harmless. Yeah. And he's the polar opposite of not. But, like, yeah. yeah, the reason I bring that up, too, is that I, he's someone that I've really, I've always been on the fence with him as well. Like, I, I think he's great in some things, and some things it's just like, what are you doing here? Yeah. But he's a one thing that I find so admirable about him is that he's a diehard horror fan. Yeah. And even like in his, especially in his adult life lately, he spends all of his time trying to help the horror genre. Like he even started his own production company, uh, Spectre Vision, which uh-huh. yeah, and like they put out like he they produced Maniac, right. and like so because you got to wonder. How did that movie get made? Yeah. Like, that's well, a... Like, and again, I guess that also might answer why did they land on Elijah Wood? Because it's not the yeah. obvious choice. I yeah. don't think he's bad in the movie. No. But I'm, I'm in my head, if someone says we're casting the lead in the Maniac remake, Elijah Wood's name doesn't no. jump to the top no. of the list to no, me. Right? definitely not. <laughs> so, um, it exceeded my expectations uh, while being unpleasant, but it was unpleasant on purpose and with purpose. Totally. And that makes it memorable. Exactly. And to quote my friend Mike, uh, it has the best, the highest TPM out of the six movies that we're talking about, which is titties per minute. Oh, yeah. Tons, of, boob, tons of boobs. No shortage <laughs> of nudity. Uh, Alexander Aja seems to be uh, very, very European. Yeah, he's a bo- access to boobies. He, he's, a, he's a boob man, for sure. <laughs> uh, Piranha 3D will sadly oh, be a discussion yeah. for another day. <laughs> yeah. Look up the road, there's a lot more of them. Why are they coming here? Maybe they're coming for us. There's a man going around taking names. And he decides who's a freak and who's to blame. Everybody will be treated all the same. There'll be a golden light reaching down. So, uh, Dawn of the Dead, again, I have a special personal story about. <laughs> You're a zombie guy, hey? For a long... I love zombies, yeah. and I love Dawn of the Dead. Like, it's... the original Dawn of the Dead is sacred text. Yes. So, like, again, I would come into this one a little skeptical, arms folded, like... you, I'm you very better, curious to hear you. <laughs> you better yeah. fucking bring something. Um, my son, Owen, was brand spanking new. Yeah. And this Dawn of the Dead remake's coming out, and I really want to see it, and, uh... My wife, who is softening to the zombie genre, I think was sold because Sarah Polly was in it. Yeah. She's always loved Sarah Polly. But we got this baby. Can we really bring this, like, baby to this zombie movie? Oh, no. So the Dawn of the Dead remake was 
for what I'd thought for a long time was Owen's first movie, Lauren eventually confessed that she'd had taken him to a movie at Rainbow. Yeah. But for a long time, I thought my son's first movie was Dawn of the Dead. He was great. He didn't make a peep for the whole movie. That's amazing. But the looks that we got from people when we were in the theater and the look my wife gave me for the baby zombie scene as yeah. she literally held our son in her arms during <laughs> the scene was just like, again, burned into my retinas. What an experience. Here's what I will say about Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. It benefits tremendously from the screenplay by James Gunn, who may have brought us these Guardians of the Galaxy movies, Super, which is a movie I love, Slither, which is a movie that I love. He's pretty dependent when you come to the screenplay. My friend Matt and I just talked about the Belko experiment. He's the guy who, like, and if you ever get around to listening, like, our back catalog of like, I think one thing... comes up a lot. Especially at the beginning, it's like, we just universally agree that, honestly, I would be fine with him doing anything. Yeah. I, I feel like he can he do does. anything. If he writes it or yeah. directs it, I will watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he stripped away a lot of the social satire that the, the movie had. Like, it, the original movie had a, an axe to grind. Yeah. And I was kind of impressed with that in that it was pretty early to be calling, you know, consumerism on its bullshit, considering oh, it totally. was only just getting cooking, right? Yeah. Um, so at first you kind of think, well, you take the satire out of it, it's just another zombie movie, right? Which is fine. Which is fine. Yeah. You're not going to outdo Dawn of the Dead. No. Not on its gore, not on its characterizations, and not on its social satire. No. So what are you going to do? You're going to make a kick-ass, fun, exciting, energetic zombie movie. And for my money, they did that. They fucking killed it. Is it... it as good as the original Dawn of the Dead? Well, I would never say that. I mean, on a technical level, yes, it's better executed because they had a bigger budget. The yeah. zombies look better. But I think I will always say Dawn of the Dead is still the masterpiece of the totally. two. Totally. Agreed. But, and this is coming from a hardcore Romero fan, I have zero problems with this remake of Dawn of the Dead. There's a few punctuating moments, a few cartoon moments... There's one zombie stickler rule book moment that I think where they break the rules just slightly. Which one? <laughs> um, but overall, glorious. Yeah. Very happy with it. There's a scene in the sewers. They're coming. They're being chased in the sewers and yeah. going back into the mall. And they're at the door and they're trying to get some guy locked the door behind them. They have to like shoot the door open. Yeah. And as they're at the door waiting for him to open the door, the zombies come around a corner and they stop. Like, right. they see them yeah. and they stop for a minute like, aha, yeah. we got you. Yeah. And in my books, you zombies do don't do that. Zombies don't stop and say, and I yeah. know that I sound like a total fucking idiot nerd star. <laughs> well, fine, but, you yeah. know, yeah. like nerd. That's, that's totally fake. This yeah. zombie movie absolutely shaped yeah. the bed for me just now. Exactly. No, I mean, these are quibbles. And if I look hard enough, I will find them in any movie. I will yeah. find them in any movie. Yeah. But... It's incredibly exciting. It's got likable characters. It is at no point boring. And uh, I had a lot of fun with it. It has appalling rewatchability. It, like, since 2004, I think, when this came out, something like that, I'm sure I've probably watched it maybe once a year. Oh, <laughs> like, for sure. I, 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 I really... It's a, and it's a good sick day movie. You totally. Know? Like, yeah. uh, if I'm going to be in and out of it a little bit, but I can still absolutely follow along. It's one of my comfort foods. I will controversially say it's my favorite Zack Snyder movie. Oh, controversially? <laughs> Some people would get really offended by that. Typically, I find with Zack Snyder, his movies look great. 
but feel wrong. Yeah, he doesn't know. He can't tell a story. Yeah, and in this one, the, the, it, it feels right. Especially the opening, that that cold open before the credits starts. The tone is yeah, perfect. It's, okay, this movie starts off like a gunshot. Right. And it doesn't slow down. That's the best part about it. Is that the, the opening is going to forever be one of the most epic intros to... The, this, this is my introduction to zombies. This that was, was your first zombie movie? Yes. And then well, I that's I, not a bad start. No, though. and I, I saw I saw the original afterwards. And I agree like I nowadays I think I prefer the original, obviously, but this movie's fucking awesome. Right. Like it's so like I even I told you when I was coming on, I was like, Well, you're like, how long will it take you to see six movies? I was like, Well, I just watched Dawn of the Dead recently. Yeah. Honestly, I watched it again two days ago. <laughs> yeah. I, I love this movie. It's so fun. And um yeah, like, like, like you, but that's the thing is like, it it does enough different where I can just appreciate it. Like, is this did this or twenty eight days later come first? Twenty eight days later beat it to the punch. Okay, but, but they're technically the rage, <laughs> like the rage zombie, yeah, exactly. rage virus. Uh, yeah, I think that between those two, they're kind of responsible for the fast zombie craze. Right? Yeah. Now all of a sudden, the old style Romero zombies are boring and not so. Enough, which is what I think the Walking Dead for bringing back. Yes. Uh, I, I I prefer I'm a traditional Romero zombie. Me guy. too. Yeah. I will love. I will watch Return of the Living Dead, and I will watch Twenty Eight Days Later. I fucking love Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah. But so um, for me, my ideal zombie kind of movie, the original the trilogy, slow and lumbering. Yeah. Yeah. They they have no brains. All they know is to eat. Yeah. Return of the Living Dead, the Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead. Fuck it. Yeah. So good. We just uh, we just went through all of these movies. Is that on your show? Yes. I like how Canadian this movie is. Totally. Selfishly, I like yeah. how much it was shot in Toronto. There's a lot of Canadian actors. Sarah Polly runs the show. Yeah. She said she was planning her marriage the whole time. She said she spent the entire summer covered in blood and on the phone making arrangements for flowers and That's shit. That's awesome. Uh, and she looks like she's having fun with it. And it's like not the typical thing you'd expect Sarah Polly to yeah. do. She kind of comes off as a cold fish sometimes when she's interviewed. I remember her being interviewed for this movie, Go, which yeah. is a really yeah. fun movie. Yeah, in the uh, 90s. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know, I mean, I enjoyed doing it, but I didn't think I was right for the part. And she came sort of sort of wishy-washy and dismissive of it. And I was like, oh, it must be nice to be an actor your entire life and just, you know, there'll always be another gig, hey? I know. But say what you will. She if did you great. hire Sarah Polly, she will give you your fucking money's worth. <laughs> totally. And not, not only that, like, what, what I like about her casting, too, is that... Um, back to like how I said my, my sister saw the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. Sarah probably reminds me a lot of my sister who's a complete wuss oh, so no. I, that, I loved that where I was like this she reminds me of Ashley and like thinking about how everyone thinks would you survive a zombie apocalypse this movie covers so many of the scenarios that would like that people like they, they do a really good job of showing what different classes would do right. and how the, what the come up and stuff it would be quick shout out to one of my favorite parts of the movie is celebrity target shooting uh-huh. like that's that's great like the shooting Jay Leno <laughs> like, yeah. like find a zombie that looks like a celebrity and kill it that's yeah. basically how they're killing time oh, yeah. the, they're, they're in a mall that's basically the, the, the tangible like that's their candy logistical, that's how they that's how they tie themselves to the original Dawn of the Dead essentially this is just a zombie adventure a movie right yeah. and it's set in a mall but as far as following the beats of the original Dawn of the Dead they don't even try no, nope. and I am completely fine with. That. Yeah, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, if they'd have done it again as a direct remake, I think they could only fail. Like, yeah, only fail. Um, yeah, I, I like the cast for the most part. Again, you can find. You want another one of my quibbles? 
What? There's a scene where sort of the main guy, Stephen Weber, or no, what's his name? Something. I think I know what you're talking about. Is he from <laughs> House? Is he the bad cop? No, he was. Uh, Jake Weber. Weber. Oh, from 28 Stephen Weeks. Stephen Weber's The yeah. Wings yeah. guy. <laughs> yes, yeah. Jake Weber, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, there's a scene where Jake Weber is walking into the sporting goods store yeah. and he has a crowbar. Yeah. And then he sees this polo mallet. He says, Ooh, polo mallet. And he puts down the metal crowbar and he picks up the flimsy wooden crowbar yeah. mallet. <laughs> and I'm like, Seriously? Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. But you got to think about that though. Like how you like that was not just to ever... set up a gag though. It was yeah. for a reason. Oh, for sure. And Jake Weber, he does what he can to sell it. Like because in the next scene, that stick's gonna break and he's gonna use it to stab a zombie. Right? Yeah, exactly. But that little beat, that beat where he decides to 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 take the cocaine out over the the crowbar. Yeah. No, that's just kind of silly. Oh, but exactly. at least it paid off immediately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and it can be kind of grim when it wants to. Totally. I mentioned the woman who uh, the gives scene. birth to a zombie baby. Well, she becomes a zombie first and then <laughs> presumably gives birth to the zombie movie baby. Yeah. That chapter of the movie is disconcertingly ugly, especially considering how kind of bouncy and jokey they get for a little while. Right? Yeah. Considering the global zombie apocalypse, they do give you lots of room to have fun. Well, we get that's one thing we got to mention too is that the score in this movie like how there's like an elevator music of there's a cover of Down with the Sickness by Disturbed yeah. that's amazing like I love that there's like that and like how is it the movie opens up with the man with no name from uh, Johnny Cash, Cash. like yeah. that's one of the most memorable openings when the man like, comes around yeah exactly it's yeah. and it's just gorgeous like I the music plays such a good such a effect on this movie I mentioned it briefly but I think it's worth coming back to you that that cold open the, the those five or ten minutes before the credit sequence mm -hmm. happens. I always say some of my favorite parts in zombie movies is that when shit's starting to go south but people aren't noticing it yet. Yeah. And this movie is, is actually one of the best examples of that. Totally. You get the feeling like if she was paying a little bit more attention to the radio in her car, paying a little bit more attention to the shit that was going on in the windows in the car, yeah. even at the hospital, that she might have been better prepared for what was about to hit her. Yeah, totally. We see it and she does it. It's like Hitchcocky in suspense. Yeah. And so when she wakes up in the morning and the neighbor kids eats her husband yeah, <laughs> and she is thrown viciously into that bathroom wall and her day is just getting started. I know. We it's like this woman right away. Worst and, day ever. Yeah. <laughs> she just watched her husband die and she had the presence of mind. And I, I'm impressed by this every time I watch the movie. He kind of attacks her. She jumps across the bed and as she passes the bureau, she swipes the keys off of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, yeah. Well played. Yes. Like we're five minutes into the movie, and I'm so fucking into yeah, it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, but what I like, it sort of presents the energy. What I like about the good chapters of the Friday the Thirteenth, where the movie's fun, totally. in spite of being incredibly grim. Yeah. Like it's it's fun. You don't walk away feeling, oh my god. Even though spoilers, this is end, where nobody wins. Yeah, exactly. Right? Even the the ending is haunting. Yeah. But. Like, but you come out saying that was fun and telling your friends they should see it. In fact, I'll watch it again with you. <laughs> like, yeah. I could have turned around when I watched it for the first time exactly. and, and, and gone in again. Uh, what year was this? 2001? Two, I want to say 2004. No, it was before. This was before. Oh, yeah, 2004. You're right. This came just after, after Texas Chainsaw? Yeah, this was just uh, after my son was born. So that, that works. Yeah, and like one thing that you got to give it mad props for too is that. 
uh, it, this employed so many special effects makeup artists. Mm-hmm. There's so much practical special effects in this movie. And I know, like, zombies, how much CGI do you need? Well, yeah. World War Z. Like, what do you see nowadays? Like, even Let Me In, they have, like, the this, there's things that can be done by hand yeah. that people just refuse to do. And they knocked it out of the park with this. Yeah, absolutely. They did such a great job with it. And, like, that's, this movie would not have been nearly as effective if you didn't see all of these characters, just like every pore in their body, you could just see. And they, they, Zack Snyder, did, that's one thing is he's very good with the camera. Yeah. And like just watching these zombies, like they look fantastic. The action is clear. I mean, I don't mind the Paul Greengrass shaky camera to appropriate. Um, yeah. 28 days later did that a lot. Yeah. But I appreciate the clarity of action. Yeah, totally. Zack Snyder's approach. Like, uh, he, he knows how to frame an action sequence. I would never say otherwise. I'm going to be remiss to if I don't ask this. You have said you have friends who are like Zack Snyder fans. Mm-hmm. I've never met anybody. You haven't found one who's like it? Never. <laughs> tell, tell me what they would debate. Because like, like, for me, I, that blows my mind. Like Watchmen? I know people love 300, and I know people who love the Watchmen. Okay. Um, the I know the Batman versus uh, Superman is a highly divisive thing. Yeah. Uh, I didn't hate the Man of Steel. Yeah. I didn't hate it, but that's not a glowing movie. No, exactly. You shouldn't be <laughs> saying that. I keep on waiting for him to live up to his potential. Yeah. I think that his true debacle is Sucker Punch. That shit was embarrassing. Yeah, but babes. <laughs> that's, yeah, I own it. That's honestly. what we got. That's yeah. what we got. Yeah, but that it's a, is the, all. It's, that is a stupid movie. Have you ever seen Terry Gilliam's Brazil? Yeah. It's a fucking slap in the face and kick in the balls to Brazil. Yeah, it is disrespect. That's where he to women and to artists. Yes. <laughs> like, and, and fuck of that all, movie. like the the score, the soundtrack. I own the the Blu-ray still <laughs> of that movie, and I always look at him like it's like I own that. And Nicholas Cage's season of The Witch. Like, I'm like, because I always want to know what's the worst movie I have on my shelf? I got you beat. I guarantee you, I got you beat. Uh, Debatable. (laughs) Let's hear it. I have Battlefield Earth on their shelf. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's that's a good one. Yeah. I did a whole episode. The worst episode ever, is it? I'm, I'm, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, just to wrap up Dawn of the Dead. And I think we've been pretty unanimous in our praise of it. I would say, again, if you hold the original sacred, you might have to hold your nose to enjoy it, but I kind of feel sorry for you if that's the case. Yeah. I, I, I think if they had tried to tread too close to the original, we would be sitting here raging against it. Totally. They made the movie fun enough that we could enjoy it, but with stakes enough that we could feel it when people died. Yeah. It was quick. It was energetic. It was not disrespectful to the original no. in any major way. It wasn't boring once. Yeah. I, it's, it's got intense rewatchability. It's going to rank quite high on the list. I am very curious because now we only have Halloween left yeah. and that's the only, I purposely did not listen to your guys' Halloween retrospective <laughs> okay. because I wanted to know because I, you always talk about the famous six for six, I have a feeling. Yeah, you think it's going to happen? We'll see. Let's see. Listen, be careful the nights. A lot of nutcases come out on Halloween. The Boogeyman Reel. Why are you so obsessed with the Boogeyman, Tommy? Halloween night, the Boogeyman attacks kids you don't believe. Oh no, Tommy! The Boogeyman's gonna get me! I'm gonna cut that mask right off your face. He's come back for his baby sister. To do what? 
said a lot of mean things about Rob Zombie in the past on the podcast, to be honest. Um, while always saying, I think he's actually a very talented director. I agree with you. I think that the, the, almost always there's something that gets in the way for me. Here we come to Rob Zombie's take on Halloween. This is the quintessential example of a movie that doesn't need to be remade. Like, it is, even though there were slashers before and slasher after it, it is the high-water mark slasher horror movie film. Like, yeah. in a lot of ways, it's an untouchable classic horror movie. People will be watching Halloween long after you and I are gone. Yes. So why remake it? Well, if you're going to remake it, do something with it. And... I guess what I will say is that he at least tried stuff. I think most of it kind of rubbed me the wrong way in the end, but I, it was a big swing. It was an ambitious, ballsy swing. It was. So I don't, like, I don't hate the movie. I think the fundamental problem I have with it, which is going to like steer the approach right off the guard, is that what made Michael Myers scary to me is that his evil was from nothing. One day, the little boy just became a force of evil. Yeah. Originally, he lost his name. He wasn't Michael Myers. He was the shape. He was just this unstoppable machine. If you got in his way on Halloween night, he would kill you. Yeah. You're not going to have a conversation with him. There's nothing that's going to solve this riddle. You're not going to see his face. And what Rob Zombie wants to know, he wants to take the mask off of this guy. He wants to know why. He wants to solve that riddle. And he does, but once you do that, the scares are gone. And what you have is just another fairly brutal, fairly ugly slasher movie. And whereas I was saying glowing things about an ugly, brutal slasher in that Texas Chainsaw remake, I don't say as much nice things about they didn't this change the fucking. They didn't change the DNA of Texas Chainsaw, though. Right. That's the thing. It's like, that's... I, what made Michael Myers scary is not present here. All that he kept about that Michael Myers scares is that he kills people. Yeah. Not that he was this evil. Thing. I don't want to feel remorse for Michael Myers. That's right. It's, yeah. <laughs> Sympathy for the devil doesn't work here. No. We have to sympathize with the victims. Yeah. And I think that Rob Zombie has a problem too. with that. Yeah. He, he, he can't write a likable character. And like, yeah. yeah. So like, I completely agree with everything you said. Yeah. Um, we we did a, a Rob Zombie retrospective episode where we watched all of his movies and we talked about it. And I actually have um, one of our co-hosts. He's a big fan of Rob Zombie's Halloween remakes, and that's totally fine. But uh, Halloween is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like you said, it's the template for a slasher movie. Debatably, like there's that Black Christmas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. Um, but this one was the first of its kind for me. Like for me, I was always scared of Michael more than I was scared of Freddy right. more, more than I was scared of Jason. Even I was scared of more Michael because I, even Jason, I felt bad for it a few times, but that's fine. That's the, that's in the groundworks that they laid with those movies. Yeah. I, it, it's, we're obviously not breaking a new ground. A lot of people have talked about this where yeah, I agree with you. Michael should be a force of nature. Yeah. You should know nothing about him. You don't need to know that his mom was a stripper. You don't need to know. And that's the other thing is that um, I agree with you that Rob Zombie is a visionary. Yeah. I think he had, he could make an incredible movie. Um, the problem is he's got that rock star. He's an egomaniac. He's never going to let anyone else write. 
brother, hire someone to write your script. But he won't. Like, he's got too big of an ego. That's Visually, in presentation, some of the kills are actually really well done. Yeah. There's an ugliness to them that almost there's off-putting. I notice in both the original, the his Halloween movies, there's a scene where a woman is stark naked and brutally murdered. Yeah, that happens in both movies. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, no. it's kind of interesting. It's a theme that's yeah. developing in here, but uh, still, while you're watching it, it is you feel the death. The death yep. counts. He doesn't shrug it off. He doesn't make a joke or a punchline no. out of a death. You feel the impact of that. Dee Wallace, who's like a mascot for horror and science yeah. fiction movies everywhere, yeah. and an instantly likable character, is brutally killed in front of the camera for us. Yeah. And it's not a Friday the 13th kill where you're like, oh, well played, Jason. Yeah. No, you're like, jeez. I know. Yikes. It's it's gross. It's, it's uncomfortable, and it's unsettling, and it's a lot that, you know, like... I, I'm trying not to... Like, I try to look at this movie subjectively because I just finished praising Maniac. Right. And, like, you know... But the thing is, I think... I've always said that if this movie was just another slasher, if it wasn't Michael Myers, if it wasn't Halloween, it'd be a pretty cool movie. Like, I, I would be totally on board. I'd be like, that's a pretty crazy movie. Well done. But the problem is, I love the Halloween franchise. And I love Michael Myers. And I love Laurie Strode. I love the characters. I love Loomis. I love everything about that franchise. And Rob Zombie even said himself that like it, w- it would have been a couple months prior to being announced to make this movie is that he never understood remaking a classic. He never understood like he he was talking about. I think he was talking about the Texas Chainsaw remake, which is ridiculous. But he was talking about how why would you remake something that's already good? Take a piece of shit and make it better. Right. And so he he had said that he wouldn't do a remake. Three months later, he was signed on for Halloween. So that immediately is him saying, Halloween's a piece of shit. And on top of that, he's come out and said that he's like, Halloween's not a perfect movie. Like, you know, there's the whole debate about Michael Myers driving a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like, of course it's not a... a it's not 100% perfect, really? No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really? But also... So, therefore, it is bad? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but also, if we're going to compare Michael... the the, the Vision, like, just imagine Michael driving a vehicle after breaking out of prison. Yeah. Okay, now imagine Michael going to his mother's tombstone, ripping it out of the ground, and carrying, carrying it back it. to his house. What's dumber? Yeah. And the other thing is, like, the the, the redneck family, like, the, it's like, that's the problem with Rob Zombie, is that these it's people don't exist. Always this shrill, redneck, Let's see how offensive it can be. language. Yes. Swearing at each other, hateful, but supposed to be somehow funny and backwardly no. charming. Yeah. And it's in every fucking one of his movies. Yeah. And yeah. it sucks. It does. Every time. It does. It sucks every time. Like, visually, I visually I like Lords of Salem. Visually, I like him as a filmmaker. Yeah. That's what kills me. I know. Like, find a script that you didn't write mm-hmm. and direct the shit out of it. And you will make a fantastic horror movie. Yeah. I've said this before on the podcast. I sit here patiently waiting for the horror masterpiece to it's come. Not going to do it. If he, I, I, I think I'm it could him. happen, I think yeah. there's potential for it. I hope you're right. Yeah. Damn. I know. Damn. And what this movie isn't, by the way, is Lord of Salem. 
Lord of Salem, I think, is embarrassing, frankly. Yeah, I, I personally think that movie is a lot of pe- A lot of people feel that way. But that, that, okay, so that should show how I feel about zombies. That that's one of the ones that I'm you like. defend? Well, because I, it's not, like, I, I appreciate the, I, I'm a witch guy. Like, right. I love witches. So there's, like, a few, like, this is a movie that has nothing to do with any other franchise. Like, a, a couple of the images, I was like, that's kind of cool. And, like, there was, like, it's like, this is disgusting. So I'm like, like but to be fair, I have never once sat down and watched Lords of Salem and not have had my phone on me right. or, like, had a conversation with someone during it. So it's unfair of me to judge it. But, like, I remember being like, there's a couple cool-looking things. Visually, yeah. Lords of Salem looks all right. But the other thing that we need to mention, too, is, um, what's her name? Daniel Harris? No, I love Daniel here. Scott Taylor, his wife, Sherry Moon. Oh, Sherry Moon. Sherry Moon. Do you think she's an actress? I don't. I'm not as hard on her as everybody else is. Yeah, I agree. I don't think she sucks, but I don't think she's in the movie. She's not married to Rob Zombie. Exactly. Like he he found a way to bring her back in the second one, like which is the worst. But it's just like he's got to find a way to get Sherry Moon a paycheck. Yeah, but like. I don't like I honestly I don't think she sucks I don't I no. don't, I just like I, I. it's whenever you go out of your bend over backwards to put somebody in a movie that usually yeah. means they're not the best person for the part it means you're bending over backwards to find a place for them in the movie exactly right? um, but I don't I, I'm not mean about it I know some people are mean about it I think some people think that yeah like uh, for me my biggest distaste for her is the fact that she's married to this i don't like him he's a dickhead (laughs) it really bothered i think he's an egomaniac i think he's i think he's a poser like i think he's i genuinely like i saw his concert and i hated it like i don't i've never been a fan of rob zombie yeah i don't i don't like his music i I have been a fan of him like technically as a filmmaker again i always end up giving him a negative review it seems but saying there's a lot to like here and i want to say stuff that i do like i think he's got a good eye for casting I like that he cast Brad Dorif as a likable character. Love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, you you just, you look at Brad Dorif's catalog. And I know. It's asshole, son of a bitch, slime ball, asshole, Lord of the Rings. Right? <laughs> yeah, worm tongue. Yeah. And uh, he's a hell of an actor. He is. Underutilized. It's actually a good part. Yeah. Um, so I really, I really like that. Um, I like Daniel Harris, A, because she ties us back to the original franchise. And B, because they finally, and I've been waiting for this since I was fucking 13, had a horror movie. No. Okay. Had like, a horror movie <laughs> where a woman was attacked, or any character really, was attacked by the killer, seriously wounded, but yes. not killed. Yeah. People are way stronger than you give them credit for. A lot of people survive grisly, grisly, grisly injuries. Yeah. Some people will die of shock if they stub their toe, but other people will fucking rage against the dying of the light. And I thought it was such a win for a movie that the character ended up surviving. Yeah. And you didn't see that one coming. It no. was one of the things you were surprised by the lack of a death. And yeah. I appreciated that. I think it, well, that, and that's the other thing too, is that he's a shocker. The yeah. guy likes shocking people. But even like, I, as a, a 28 year old man, I can appreciate that 20, Danielle Harris is gorgeous. Like, mm-hmm. she's a good looking girl. But I grew up watching those movies as yeah, well. She's a child. It's, it's weird. It's yeah. so weird. So no, like, I wasn't about. It wasn't about me uh, <laughs> drooling over naked Daniel Harris. But I like, just thought it was interesting because yeah, she that, had that, been that, with the franchise yeah. literally since she was eleven years old. Yeah, <laughs> and it's interesting to see her. And yeah, the, the kills are cool. But the thing is, there's there's like it sounds like I'm being really harsh on it, but this is actually probably the the most positive review I've given to this movie. <laughs> but like. It's the continuity that really bothers me too. Is like 
you see little Michael who's having his temper tantrum when he's a kid. And for some reason, he's in a mental asylum that allows him. I know I'm looking for logic in a Halloween movie. I'm the idiot there for wanting that. But still, like, you could cover the basics. Like, that child growing up to be a seven-foot Goliath. Not a fucking chance. Like, it's it's distracting. I think that Big Michael is awesome. I think Tyler Maine does a good job with Michael. But that's taking into consideration we don't see his little whiny kid phase where he's getting bullied brutally like uh, it's it's cool seeing him have his comeuppance and yeah. you know revenge kind of thing but it's unnecessary I'm not going to be sympathetic to Michael Myers' no. character no I'm just I'm just not I don't understand why we spend the first third of this movie making this guy sympathetic and in yeah. the rest of the movie he's a heartless killer like they make a point of it the nurse at the at the mental institute the Danny Trejo place yeah. is like the one person who treats him decently he brutally kills without saying a word or without shedding a tear right yeah. so what was all of that establishing of his soul to just dismiss it and then what made that soul go away was it an institution no if it was it happened in a smash cut exactly so he purports to go deep psychologically but I don't think it does no. I think he just liked the idea of young Michael Myers and isolated moments are okay I really like that beating he gives that spy kid yes <laughs> at the beginning of the movie yeah. and the, they do all those wide shots flailing in the air instead of showing you the implicit violence but it, it's sort of strangely effective but pretty much everything else in that opening sequence, I just, it didn't serve the character. And, and like, it didn't accomplish making me feel bad for Michael. No. Like, at the end when he's shot, am I supposed to give a shit? No, exactly. I know. It's, it's, it's pointless. It's stupid. But that's the other thing is that, like, so it's, he goes into the institution and he's away. They go 15 years later. Yeah. 15 years later has passed. And not a single bit of the style, the lingo, the music, the dialogue. It's, still it's all the exact same. Yeah. And that's what's infuriating. And then you see, so Laurie Strode is saved from this family, essentially. Because, uh, uh, what's her name? Sherry Moon kills herself. Yeah. Uh, the dad's dead, and or the stepdad. And so she has no family. She goes to a proper family. They're, they're, it's like a nice, clean house. And she comes out, and the first thing she's doing is talking to her parents like white trash. Yeah. It's like, what's the point? Like, because it's written by Rob Zombie. Exactly. It's like, it's, it's, it's so, so stupid. much worse in the second movie. I know. All of them yeah. like speak like Rob Zombie groupies. I know. And the ironic thing is that in this day and age, there's no twenty-year-old Rob Zombie groupie. No, I know. <laughs> he just it's, and that's the thing too. Going back to like, I saw because I'm a fan of Alice Cooper. Was one of my first shows. I went and saw Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie when they're here. It was a double show, so I was like, I've never I can seen, see that. I was like, I've never liked Rob Zombie, but I was like, it would be cool to see. Like, he's a showman. That's what you got to appreciate. It'll be a spectacle. Yeah, for sure. But the thing is, like, even like on his stage show, like, honestly, I've never been more scared of a building than like Alice Cooper played first. And it was awesome. And then, really? yeah, I know. Alice Cooper I know. Open for I know. Him? Okay, well, but I then, like him less now. Yeah, I know. But then, and then, but then, it's honestly like. I was like, I had no idea Saskatchewan had this many skinheads. Like, oh, no. It was terrifying. And like uh, on the stage, he has all these like Charles Manson, um, Jeffrey Dahmer, like he, and it's like it's like it's celebrating all these people. Yeah. I was like, we get it. You're shocking. And, like it's it just it gets old. And he's been doing it every fucking movie. Like and debatably, I think that thirty. Have you seen Thirty One? No, I haven't. I, I think it's by far his biggest piece of shit. Right. Like it's it's somehow worse. Like it's like. 
I don't get it. Like, I don't I don't understand. See, the appeal. that's where I'm at with Rob Zombie. I'll get around to seeing his next movie, but I'm never like, ooh, ooh, I gotta see the next Rob Zombie I know. movie. And that sucks. But you're curious. he's yeah. not untalented. I was very, very excited for this movie. Yeah. As that I'm, always I'm, hurts, too. Yeah. Right? And, and that's it. And I honestly didn't necessarily despise it when I first saw it, because I was just like, whatever. Like, yeah, they, life goes on. Yeah. But then the more I thought about it, the more every year passed where I would go, I'm like, well, it's October, of course I'm going to watch Halloween. Which one do I watch? And they go, actually, that remake wasn't very good. So I'm going to just keep doing this one. And then like, now like, I dedicate a large portion of my life to talking about horror movies with my friends. And it's like, it always comes up. And it's always uh, it's always a polarizing conversation, which I, I give a I credit for. I kind of land right down the middle, to be honest. I think that, like, I I appreciate that he took a big swing and that he took it seriously. Yeah. But, again, between it not being necessary and it, I think, missing the point of what made Michael Myers scary, those two things were enough to take the air out of the tires somewhat. Yeah. There are worse entries in the Halloween franchise. I disagree. There are way disagree. fucking I, worse entries. In I'll the watch movie. Resurrection over this. Oh, my <laughs> I'll at least I'll at least laugh at Resurrection. I'm glad we're not sitting at a table. I would flip that. I know. Right now. <laughs> but that's the thing is, I, like I tur- last time I tried watching Resurrection, I turned it off. Like I couldn't. Yeah, but no, like I, I mean, I usually like to say in the podcast, I like to bring people with different opinions. I didn't know what your opinion was. Yeah. Be. You're wrong about reservations. Yeah, no, I know, I know. But but all all I'll say though is that um, I didn't think I'd ever watch this movie again actually, and I rewatched it, and this time it was like it just got boring. Like it was it was hard. Like it feels like it's at least half an hour too long for what it is. That's I feel a good like point. I feel like if they could have they could have cut out Michael's childhood. They and really it, could have. Yeah, and it could have still been an hour and a half movie. It would have been a di- very direct remake. It would have been grisly and probably largely shrugged off. People wouldn't have shit on it. It wouldn't have made me... No. Yeah. Well, like, an anchor is too much. It's just like... It's the type of movie where it's kind of close to being good. And because it comes close to being good, it pisses me off. I know. Off. That's I exactly would... how I feel, too. Yeah. But, again, I'm not going to give up on Rob Zombie. But... I got a tough time after reading. <laughs> re- I haven't well. seen Thirty One. It's got a not good reputation. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, 30, 31 is just it's uh, just not my thing. It, like, and, but that thing is, I um I like Devil's Rejects. Yeah, I like them. I hate House of One Thousand Corpses. Yeah, but the finale of Devil's Rejects just makes it for me. I love that last ten minutes of that movie. Like, I think it's gorgeous. Like. Right. Do you remember that scene? I do. I've talked yeah. about it on the podcast. Do I you, don't think we are landing on this. You don't like place. it? I again. I the review for Devil's Rejects actually yeah. is very similar to the conversation we just had about okay. this, and that I see great filmmaking and yeah. great moments. Terrible people, but, but they're supposed to be terrible. It keeps pissing me off, yeah. and I actually cited the ending as one of the things that I found the most distasteful. Oh, with it, like with Freebird. Freebird. Oh, I thought it was. These are not awesome. heroes being gunned down by the man. These yeah. are not. This is not some folk no. thing. This is not some noble ending. This is not some. Odd I think shot. that's the point. This is though. not some. Oh, good for them. They're gonna go out I the think way that, they live. No, fuck that. I, I I I can see where you're. I can see where you're coming from. But for me, you follow these despicable pieces of shit the whole time. So you're supposed to be on their side, as sickening as that is. That's where the movie fails for me. Because yeah. I could never you be on it. So. Yeah. So anyway. I'm a psychopath, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that's our review of Rob Zombie's Halloween and yeah. the Devil's Rejection. <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
right. Thank you, Mitch Oliver. Thank you so much for coming and doing this yeah. rank and review episode with me. I really appreciate it. That's and fun. Uh, congratulations on your podcast. I would like to return the favor. You will come on our show. We would sweet. love. We would love to have you there. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Um, I'll send you a couple episodes. I think you should listen to. To it's a couple of uh, yeah. Ones it's very it. very different than this, which is good. But like because it's not the same thing. But I want to quickly say like how much I admire that you do six movies a week. And how you managed to bring on guests? Like I think I've listened to three different guests. I I, I point drop out, every two weeks, so I do six. Oh yeah, every two weeks. Well, I just started listening, so yeah. I listen to three a day. Right. <laughs> like, and I and that's the same, man. You guys have you have you, you have great content. You have great guests come on. Uh, I really like Lee. <laughs> like I the, I think it's just because. But does he pick the episodes? When well, he, I, I like you. you I yeah. usually send him a bunch of options, and he'll pick one. So I feel like he's the champion right now. So he's yeah. really bossy. He's always like, "I'm going to do this next. Let's really? do this next." Well, he does. <laughs> like, they're, they're always good conversations, and yeah, I was really excited to be here because I get I excited. Show. Episode 120 will be Lee Beckman and myself versus Child's Play franchise. Ooh, <laughs> that's a good one. That's such a good one. Oh, so, so since we're here recording, yeah. Uh, what was your least favorite of these six remakes, and why? My least favorite at number six is A Nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, the the reason I'm like it's pretty wild to me that you found a movie that could beat out Halloween for me at that part. <laughs> like, like honestly, I for me, I just think A Nightmare on Elm Street is so disposable. There's no redeeming factors in it for me. Even the good act, like there's some solid actors in it. They are given nothing to work with. Um, this is a movie that just was made with zero heart. There's no fun. It's of one of the most classic 80s slasher movies of all time. One of the most creative and groundbreaking horror movies. And it was treated like garbage. So yeah. number six for me is A Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, I'm not going not gonna to hear too much fight on that okay. one. <laughs> uh, at number five, which, surprise, Halloween. Right. <laughs> Halloween is number five for me. Um, you've just heard us talk about for 20 minutes. There's nothing else I need to say. Yeah. It just, yeah, that's where it lands. Uh, number four and number three was the hardest for me actually. But then once I really, I had to dig deep for this one. Like you, you challenged me because (laughs) here's the thing. When I said that I'd come on the show and chose this, these six movies to talk about, I was like, okay, there's three movies that I like, three movies that I hate on this list. That's a good balance. Yeah. Let me in came around on me. And it came around on me hard. I thought it was a pretty solid movie. Uh, like we said, it's completely pointless, but Let Me In takes fourth place. Very nice. Uh, yeah, Let Me In takes fourth place. Uh, number three is very influential movie, which is why it's it, it's hard for you. You you took three movies that are very solid. Yeah. Very solid. So this one is really hard, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre is number three. Um, I just think it's... You, you heard us talk about it. I think it's a solid movie. I think it's a good remake. It's respectful to the remake to an extent, uh, more so than the other ones mentioned before this. And uh, it's number three. It holds a close place in my heart. Yeah. The only movie on this list that I would choose the remake over the original sits on my number two, and that is Maniac. Nice. I would hands down choose Maniac as my number two. Um, awesome, but disgusting not going to go home and watch it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but in a couple of years, I'm excited to watch it with some friends. And number one is Dawn of the Dead. Because yeah. that movie is fucking awesome. I love it. Well, Lee Beckman, who's listening right now, 
still is the stupid oh. champion. God damn it. I, I like to fuck with him because yeah. I honestly think there may be tears for Lee yeah. when he loses it. I think I know where you're going to go different. But well, we're very close, as is so often the case. It's it, not as easy to go six for six as people seem to think. Yeah, I believe it, especially after the conversations we have. <laughs> we are shopping in the same store. We're really yeah. close. Yeah. So, yes, in sixth place, Nightmare on Elm Street. Because it's, it's not just that nobody cared, it's that you could tell. Yeah. Nobody cared. Exactly. It was just... If you're not excited about your movie, well, why should I be excited yeah. about your movie? And with the, the amount of potential of that character in that franchise, yeah. as related to the delivery that we have here, like, it is not a small miss. Like, no. yeah. you'd think that if they completely half-assed it, it would just be okay because of the level of imagination in the yeah. story. But No. No. You have to give a shit. You have to give a shit. Yep. That's why Halloween makes fifth place. Because as much as I have problems with it, yeah. I do believe in my heart that Rob Zombie gave a shit. Yeah. He, he cared about Halloween. He wanted to make a good Halloween. He movie. wanted to make something different, and he did. And he made it distinctly different than the original. He just has different tastes than I do. Agreed. Like We agree on his dialogue being garbage yeah. almost all of the time. And this, this really grim aesthetic... It's interesting to me because I think it's effective. It makes the death real. But I get the feeling like Rob Zombie thinks it's awesome. And I think it's disturbing. Exactly. And that discordance there is kind of... It's the mind behind the work. But I will watch... I will watch the next Rob Zombie movie. Like I said, yeah, I will patiently too. wait me too. for him to actually get it out there. Yeah. Because I think he's really good at putting what he sees in his head on the screen. I hope and you're I right. think that's what being a director yeah. is. Yeah. So I, I've had access to Rob Zombie's brain. I'm, I'm not sure if I really like what I saw there, but I'm impressed at how vividly he, he can yeah. express it. So in fourth place, we're staying with each other. Let me in. I, I don't it. think it's a bad movie. I, I really don't think it's a bad movie. Yeah. I just think it didn't need to. It doesn't. It doesn't justify its existence enough. Yeah. Even with these great performances, even with really well executed sequences. But I will always drop that caveat that I wonder what I would be saying if I saw that one first. It's it's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. exactly. Here's I knew. I know. Yeah. It's Maniac. Yeah. Maniac. I put in third place because I like I'm at war with it. I respect it, yeah. but I I uh, I have question it. I yeah. I think it's well intentioned, and yet I question it. You know, it's psychologically complex. Yeah. And yet I kind of question it. And w it's very effective at making you uncomfortable, at making you have to sit through something that maybe you don't want to see. And that's a good thing. They're yeah. kind of teaching lessons to the an audience that maybe needs to hear that death isn't always a punchline. In yeah. fact, maybe it should never really exactly. be a punchline. It's ugly. But what you said when you said, like, you're not going to revisit it again and again. As technically amazing as I think it is, as emotionally stirring as I think it is, as genuinely shocking as certain sequences happen, when that chick flies out of the passenger window, or the, the front window of the car, my jaw fucking dropped. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe that just happened. Yeah. Right? So, I can't deny that it works on many levels. Yeah. So, I'm putting it in third place. I respect but it was, that. It was, yeah. it, it was tough. I respect that, yeah. Second place, I'm giving to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it, I'm surprised to say that. Yeah. Coming out of my mouth, that seems kind of weird, but... I think that the goals they set for themselves, they reached. Yeah. 
and they didn't do a disservice to the original and they made it their own but recognizable for the brand yeah and you know there's been several more texas chainsaw movies after it because it was of great quality yeah. Hasn't been a lot more Nightmare on Elm Street movies since no. that terrible movie. Yeah. I think it's the last Platinum Dunes movie. No way, but Quiet Place. Yeah. <laughs> the newest. But yeah. like, yeah, their phone stopped ringing. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Texas, like, uh, I, I, I'm surprised by it. And then, yeah. I, I mean, I have a certain degree of respect for Marcus Nispel. He, there's something about his, the way he handles violence. There's something gritty and tactile about yeah. his movies even when i don't like them they kind of make me feel dirty and that means that he's accomplished yeah something, he's doing some you know. first 20 minutes of friday like <laughs> dawn of the dead's a fucking blast yeah and just for the amount of times i've watched it and the amount of times i will watch it i'm gonna put it at the top of this list yeah. it's again surprising because dawn of the dead is sacred territory for me i love me some romero zombie movies I mean, I can't, I can't take you all the way to survival of the dead, but I will even defend Diary to a certain degree. <laughs> but uh, I, I love those movies. So the fact that I was as happy as I was and remain to be all these years later, yeah, great. Hang in there, Zack Snyder. Maybe, maybe you got another Dawn of the Dead in you. I hope so. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be doing many more DC movies. So. No, he's done with DC yeah. officially. I think yeah. he's done with DC, but I don't think that's bad for him. I don't think it's bad at all. I think he, it's long overdue. I think, I think he's a great director. It would be interesting to see him bear it down. It's like, mm-hmm. um, did you see like the Wachowskis did that thriller Bound before they did yes, the, the yeah. Matrix movie, the yeah. sort of lesbian noir thriller? Yeah. You think like that was a micro, fairly micro budget by yeah. their standards compared to anything else they made, but on an emotionally involving sort of cogent level, it it remains one of their strongest yeah. movies. Sometimes maybe you're not a two hundred million dollar director. Maybe you're a fifty million dollar director, and that's okay. I think he's very dead set on being that two hundred million dollar director, but he just doesn't have it. I really remain a big fan of his Dawn of the Dead. I agree with so, you. I uh, agree with you. Close, but no cigar, dude. No, yeah, I was really again, close. Come the Beckman. He will, yeah. he will rage. Yeah. He will rage. I do, yeah. I totally get that decision. I just, yeah, Maniac's got to take it for me because I think it's something special. Where can people find Terror Table? Terror Table is on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you can find podcasts. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, which will link you to all the places that you can listen. Um, we have a really active community, and I'm excited. I, I mentioned Rank and Review on one of our recent episodes, and a couple of people have shown interest, being like, yeah, I'm going to check this out, because we have an amazing community, and I just hope to God that you get to experience that. Because I would love to see it. We have the it. best fucking listeners ever, <laughs> like the best listeners in the world, and I know that they're going to listen to this, and I know that they're going to love you, Sweet. and I know that they're going to go back, because that's the thing is, I am not bullshitting. I listen to your show a lot now, Thanks. and I do really like your show, and I feel like I've made a new friend. <laughs> you have. It's amazing. I live pretty close to here, nice. <laughs> so it's like, it's amazing that we, I was like, What? Well, another horror podcast. Rank and review listeners, I haven't listened to The Terror Table, but that said, if you don't listen to it, you're kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, we are stupid, but... Yeah. Go, go check out The Terror Table for some stu- um, three stupid idiots talking about horror movies. <laughs> uh, I look forward to being on the show, and yeah, uh, yeah we can we can cross-pollinate. Uh, maybe some ch- of my rank and reviewers can move over there, and yep. some of your guys can move over here. Absolutely. We can share this podcast world. And yeah. it's great to find another horror podcast out of Saskatoon. It's amazing. I've got, I've got south of 650 of individual reviews. 
That's like, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it, and uh, I, I do twelve more every month. Yeah, so. you you kill it, man. Like, it, it sometimes it's hard for me to get my other two co-hosts to watch one movie. Like, yeah. So I'm like, this guy does six. That's like, the biggest tr- tr- challenge and stress of this is keeping the guests coming in. Yeah. I have a lot of people that have stacks of movies and had stacks of movies for months and months and months. Yeah. I've learned that you shouldn't give them six. You got to no, start yeah. them with three. Yeah, or and give then, them a good heads up. Yeah, yeah. But, and I will say though, like if if you're interested, guaranteed both the other guys on the tear table love to do yeah. this. Yeah, I'm always looking. If for you guests. have a werewolf I'm, episode, our our friend Bluesy, same I Bluesy. do. Yeah, he's I a, do. He's a werewolf guy. Yeah, I've already done one, but I have another one in the yeah. back. We'll and now I can, now I can listen to your remake episode. <laughs> I didn't want. <laughs> I I avoided the remakes and the Halloween episode because right. I didn't want to know what you thought. Well, uh, now you know what I thought. Yeah, no, that's fun. For being here, dude. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. That's it. That's all. We have been remade. That was Remakes Volume 2 with Mitch Oliver, host of the Terror Table podcast. Please give those guys a listen. Give those guys a like. And uh, if you liked what you heard today, uh, I'll be showing up on the Terror Table podcast, hopefully, in the next month or so. So definitely check that out. As usual, you can send your feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Also, as usual, I'd like to take the time to say thank you to each and every pair of ears that is listening to this podcast. It makes me feel good that there's an audience out there, and it makes me feel good to think it's growing. And the best way for it to grow is for you to tell that other movie fan in your life about Rank and Review. We drop every other Wednesday, and please keep listening.